two. Door with a fly ball to deep left field. That one's way back. Way gone! Two run pinch hit home run by Abby Door, and it's five nothing Crimson Tide. Well, that one got over the wall. Right off the bat, you knew. Right off the bat. And that is why you pinch hit players in big situations during the season to prepare them for a moment like that. Tao with a fly ball to deep center field. That one's way back. Way gone. Three run homer for Kaylee Tao. It's 5-0 Alabama. Kaylee Tao again continues to make teams pay. If they walk Kempill, they get to her. And she's made them regret that decision more times than not this postseason. Jordan steps in. She's 0 for 2 with a couple of Ks. Jordan has had probably the longest collective at-bats today against Fouts. First pitch. That one's a fly ball to left. On the run is Mack. The catch is made on the warning track. And Montana Fouts throws a perfect game here in Oklahoma City. And Alabama wins by a final score of 6 to nothing. Are you freaking kidding? <laughs> she rewrites history every time she steps in the circle, Tom. I'm. Are you kidding? You set aside a game in 2012 that won a national championship. I think that's the best game played in Alabama softball history. My I know I'm goodness. new here, but come on. Are you kidding? Against the team that in the preseason we said might be the best ever, yeah. Montana Fouts gives them nothing, nothing. And this offense backs her up. of the Out of the Box podcast, episode 40 overall. I'm Gray Robertson. That is my partner, Tom Canterbury, sitting in the same studio right next to me. Tom, hello. Hello. <laughs> I feel like things are somewhat back to normal. They are. How they that? are. How about that? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, this is going to be a long show. I'm just going to go ahead yeah. and preface that. We've got <laughs> interviews. We've got preview of 2022 we've got a recap of 2021 from not just alabama but all across the country we've got apparently a very exciting off the wall that i'm excited to hear from my partner and i've got <laughs> stuff too we've got tom's hungry podium that's all on your trip around the bases that we'll get to in a minute but first tom i just want to open up by saying thank you to softball uh, I have not felt the way that I felt watching all of these postseason games not just the ones alabama was a part of in two years and it was just awesome that we had a full season. Congratulations to all the coaches and student athletes and administrators at the schools and conference offices who made this work. I mean, really, if you look back at where we were in January and even when we were talking to the coaches in late December, it is kind of miraculous that we got a full season in that ended with a World Series that played the maximum amount of games with 100% capacity. Yeah, the first time they've ever had to play every single possible game, and, and they did it. And uh, you're right, it, it is a, a real tribute to and a testament uh, to the just the fortitude of everyone involved, 
the entirety of college softball to be able to put on the se- the season that they did, capped off by the World Series that they did. And yes, there were mistakes made along the way, but a lot of us were, you know, we were dealing with stuff we didn't know what we were what was going on right. for a long time. And you're right when we were talking to the coaches during uh, softball media days that there was still some doubt on on how much of a season we were actually going to get and we got an entire season and it is un- unbelievable and uh just a, a a tremendous accomplishment by everybody involved and then again it just kind of feels normal because oklahoma won the world series <laughs> <sighs> uh yes congratulations to the sooners uh congratulations to World Series most outstanding player G. Juarez. Bailey Hempel, Montana Fouts on that all tournament team as they should have been. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, I guess we can open there before we dive into uh, what this show will look like. Oklahoma winning the national championship, not a total surprise. They looked like the best team in the country for a long time. Uh, the question was mainly strength of schedule and the pitching. Right. And, you know, it doesn't get harder than the World Series, although you could say their path was not as circuitous as other past champions, but, you know, that's just via seeding, Florida State was playing really well. Right. And the pitching, not an issue in the Champ Series. Congratulations to G. Juarez, who pitched probably her best softball of her career in the two biggest games of her life. Yeah, first ever in her career to get two back-to-back complete game victories. And uh, what a time to do it, because uh, up against the wall. And uh, I've, I've seen the discussion on whether or not Oklahoma is maybe is the best team in college softball history. Um, I think the fact they did lose some games in the World Series may, may kind of hinder that a little bit um the pitching overall as the season went on wasn't at the level that it was but it obviously rounded into shape right when right when uh patty gasso and and oklahoma needed it to do so um and by the way you had the national freshman and national player of the year uh at one and two in your order one and two in the order so that helps (laughs) things out a lot it does also helps that uh in the actual world series you faced a unseated team another unseated team the number two overall team who had their pitcher on a third straight day without their number two, who would obviously have changed uh, the way UCLA was. Then those unseeded teams again, James Madison, and then the number 10 seed in Florida State. Uh, so you, you kind of miss some of the marquee matchups beca- yeah. based on seeding. But what a story James Madison was. Uh, what a story Florida State ended up being. You know, when you look at it, seed wise, there weren't a lot of major clashes but you know there were some real riveting matchups for that Oklahoma had to run through yeah and congratulations as well to our friends at ESPN because yes they did not get the Alabama Oklahoma championship or the Alabama UCLA championship that would have been a ratings bonanza but it just in as I was listening in the car to seven innings live last night's game two of the champ series was over two million viewers and game one was I think 1.86 so again you know, the writing's on the wall, people, and we know how popular this sport has been. That's why there is an out-of-the-box podcast, uh, and we have seen the ratings go up this year, something other sports can't really say, but ratings for softball have been consistently up, and we saw an a-, a game on ABC this year. There will probably be more of that next year. So, I mean, again, we are really all winners in this because softball won in a major way here this spring. Yeah, it was a, a huge um, just a a, a bit major development that Alabama, or excuse me, the the World Series got the ratings that it got, and and just to show uh, where college softball kind of stands on the pantheon of of collegiate sports, and it's yeah. it's really high. It's much higher than most people thought it was entering. You know, even back, you know, five seasons, six, seven, when I first started doing the play by play, it was really something that not a lot of people 
in comparison, we're following just on a day to day basis. And now they really are. Yeah. It's it's going to be something uh, that we're going to see moving forward. And hopefully it also shows that it's not just postseason. It's not just World Series uh, that we can get some uh, regular season real big uh, coverage as well. SEC Tournament Championship on ABC. How does that sound? Oh, <laughs> sure. Sounds good to me. Here's your trip around the bases for the Season 3 finale. Again, Episode 40. I can't believe you've done 40 of these just yeah. official episodes. We've done way more overall. Right, yeah. <laughs> 40 officials. We will start at the plate. We'll talk about Alabama in the Women's College World Series and just talk about the season as a whole and what 2022 could look like. We'll advance to first, break down the SEC in 2022. I've got my document up. Ooh. It was very difficult to track because I had to look at okay who has to make a decision who's officially gone what class is anybody no one is uniform with that on their roster pages so that was very fun sure a couple hours last night Uh we will steal second with the great Patrick Murphy Alabama head coach as we usually do at the end of the year and get his thoughts on what was a crazy season that saw a lot happen uh, and I know he's got thoughts as well because we're going to see an offseason of change in softball more so than I think we've ever seen before, not just with rules and with how the sport is viewed, but also we had a couple legendary coaches retire in a couple day span. Yeah, the, the landscape's going to change a little bit, but hopefully it's going to be one that is going to just take another step higher as yeah. we continue to move forward. We will round third with our dear friend Caleb Bro to play What's Good Bro. Mm. What's Good Bro. One more time. A lot of stuff's good. (laughs) She uh, she is with Child. Uh Uh, She is with Jen and Amanda and everybody at the World Series hanging out on the Seven Innings Live set. Um, So we're going to get bros like instant reaction from the game today. Were they dressed up today? Yes. Uh, Today was Disney Day. Today was Disney. All right. Yes. I, uh, I was really upset that. We missed Marvel Day. I really want to be a part of that. <laughs> That's okay. Next time. Yes. Then we will head home. We've got all-name team, a shorter list, but we will mm-hmm. pick a winner. We've got Tom's Hungry Podium. We've got Off the Wall. And then we've got the Future Plan of the Podcast that we will discuss at the end before we sign off. So, Wow, lots start. of stuff to go. I know. Yes, yeah, so buckle in. We're going to be here for a little bit. <laughs> Let's start at the plate, Tom. 2021, as you look back at this season – what stands out? It was a special year. I told Patrick Murphy when I was texting him last night that this is probably my favorite year of broadcasting following the team just because it was fun to see what they dealt with and how they dealt with it and that they were able to succeed despite a lot of adversity, uh, not just with COVID, but with multiple injuries to key players at terrible right. times. I had a blast. Yeah. it. it team 25 was extremely special. Um, and it, and it was a very, it's a unique team because, you know, there's, it was the first team where you had fifth year seniors, you had a, a major group of, of seniors that were able to come back because of uh, the season getting canceled in 2020. Uh, so it was a whole new dynamic that you weren't expecting, uh, that you were going to have to, that you were going to be able to play with. Cause you know, that's one thing we talked to Patrick Murphy, even back at the beginning of the season, when you were doing, you know, the the roster breakdowns and recruiting, you did not know that you were going to have a season where Bailey Hempill and Bailey Dowling were playing on the same team together. Right. Um, there was going to be a lot of a lot of extra chances to to put some lineups together that we didn't know was going to be available. Uh, so there was a lot of highs as far as that goes. And I I know I, I talked with you in one of the broadcasts. I was discussing that as the season really got started, I was just so happy we were playing that I wasn't even really keyed in on much on, on winning and losing. Because I felt like at some point it could get taken away at any point. Right. We uh, almost felt that 
the Ole Miss series. Right. So there was some you were guarded a little bit on really get, you know throwing yourself. Not that you weren't caring about the winning, winning and losing, or throwing yourself in, but you were so worried that something was going to happen and everything would get taken away. But once we got to you know toward the end of the season and then the postseason. It's like this is really happening, and Alabama has a legit chance of winning the national championship, and I am all in on this. Thing. Yeah, and you know the fact that we were, you know, self, you know, that nobody else deals with what we had to deal with because we're used to being in, in a part of the team, basically traveling with the team, things like that. But we were bubble adjacent, as we talked about. We we were we were kind of following from afar, not traveling with everybody, and so it gave it a different element than what we're used to. But I agree, is is one of my, if not my my favorite team as well everything that they dealt with, the injuries, and just, you know, next man up came up and got us all the way to the semifinals. <laughs> Let's talk about that trip to the World Series. I'm not sure I can remember a better 30 hours than those first two days, the 5-1 oh, yeah. win over Arizona, dominance for Montana Fouts. And then, I mean, the perfect game. I, like, you, you can't hit a higher high at the World Series that isn't winning a national championship. But it seems like for the second straight trip, Alabama – was I mean they did something really amazing in a not championship scenario and um, I thought those first two games I was running out of words I and mean, we yeah. we joked about it on the air but like wow it was incredible to watch yeah uh, as well as you could possibly play especially from the circle for the first two games and um, but it, and it was a kind of a microcosm of how this Alabama team was built and, and how they won games. Mm-hmm. Really strong pitching and an offense that maybe numbers-wise from top to bottom didn't just blow you away, but you had some really great hitters and then hitters that got hits when they needed to. Yeah. And you were able to you know pass the bat down, create some big innings, and um, that's the way that offense was was built and the way that it, that it ran. Um, and it, it, was, it was running on all cylinders, uh, but it, it, it kind of just showed that as well as you can be playing, though, after that, that if you're not, if you don't come back out the next day with that exact same yep. level, it can get away from you really quickly. Because as I said in the broadcast, that you know everyone that makes it to the women's college world series is is really good, and if you're not playing at a hundred percent, if you're not hitting on all cylinders, it can get away from you fast. And unfortunately, that's what happened against Florida State, um, who is is playing you know as well as anybody. Till they ran into Oklahoma, who you know became a, it, who was you know <laughs> yeah. the generationally great offense. So, as much as the number one, it's crazy that as much as all the craziness happened, the number one overall seed ended up winning. But it didn't. It wasn't as chalk as what we are used to, and I think that that was really good for the game. Absolutely, uh, you know. And speaking of the Florida State games, I've we, I've done a radio interview since then, and one of the radio guys asked me point blank in retrospect, would you? make any different decisions if you were coaching and I said honestly no like I think Alabama made the right moves they had good plans against Florida State in terms of how they were going to strategically use and I think really what they were getting at was pitching right I mean everybody wants to know why did Montana start in game one against Florida State and I honestly don't think that you can play the game of hindsight here because if Montana throws a perfect game, well, the offense didn't score sure. either, so you we'd never still, know what's going to happen. We'd still be there waiting to, to finish that game off if no runs right. come across. And then also, you know, why not save Montana for game two? Because no one would have ever thought in the world that Montana would get pulled in the third inning. So, yeah. you know, you just can't plan for certain things like that. I thought Alabama strategically had a good idea. The problem is every move they seemed to make, Florida State countered and countered to perfection. They didn't just react well. They reacted perfectly. They yeah. were able to lay down bunts in scenarios where 
you weren't expecting it. They made the right pitching moves at the right times in both of those games, and I think that's a credit to them. We we talked in the first broadcast how Florida State is considered by many as one of the best coaching staffs in all of college softball, and I thought that that coaching staff pulled all the right levers against Alabama. Right, and and that's that's when you come down to it. You know, sometimes you make all the right decisions, and you know it's it's sports, and you know sometimes the opponent wins. We have to remember right. these are eighteen to twenty four year old college students that are sometimes difficult to predict. Sure, I mean, and you know they're playing another really good team, so you can do everything right strategically and still lose. And uh, yeah, I don't think there was any issue with starting nice to Kilfoyle in the first game against Florida State. You and I both thought that that was the plan, and that should be the plan, and it was a, it was a great decision. Uh, I think there is a a lot of the blowback was because you had people that weren't paying attention the entire season and just joined in in the postseason and saw Montana Fouts be at, at the level that she was at and just assumed that she was the number one, A, number one, no one can touch her on this staff, and that's not the case. Lexi right. Kilfoyle, at the beginning of the season and before she had to sit out a, 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 over a month with an injury, there were series where it was Lexi Kilfoyle, Montana Fouts, Lexi Kilfoyle. Yeah, she was she was the number one on this staff if you had to pick one. There is not a huge talent drop off from Montana Fouts to Lexi Kilfoyle. Um so and she would be the number one on a lot of the World Series teams that were in OKC, including I think Florida State, had she been on that team. So um I, I don't think there was that was a major chance taken by Patrick Murphy. And Lexi Kilfoyle pitched well enough for Alabama to win in game one. Just yeah. the offense did not score. So Montana Fouts could have done the same thing. Or the other the other scenario was, what if Montana Fouts had started that first game and what happened to her in game two happened in game one? Then where would you have been at for exactly. game two? So it, it was I think it was it was the right call. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And yep. you know, that's that's the way it goes. Unfortunately, that is the life that we live. Again, we are trying to predict what eighteen to twenty four year old college kids are going to do, and you can't. Right. Um, and again, a lot of that, you know, credit to Florida State. Again, that coaching staff had a great plan. They had a team that hit, quite frankly, bad all year long. Yeah. And they came into the World Series and played their best ball. And especially situationally, their runners in scoring position batting average was like 200 points higher in the semis and in the champ series than it was the entire right. postseason prior, which is ridiculous. Right. A team that did not win their regular season or conference tournament got, got a, a 10 seed. Uh, and was able to go to Baton Rouge to beat LSU in the Supers in two uh, uh, just outstanding games, and then came to came to OKC and uh, got on a run, got yeah. got really hot, and uh, they were six outs away from a national championship before OU had a team meeting and came out and 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 just blew them out. <laughs> oh, you said oh right, we're supposed oh, yeah. to uh, we're supposed to win this. Right. I forgot. Yes. So now, as we look ahead to 2022, let's first reflect on those. Uh, that we will have to say goodbye to. And we're going to talk about all the seniors, kind of like what we did at the end of the radio broadcast, and we're going to start with Bailey Hemphill. Gosh, no. what a uh, what a way to go out. Bailey Hemphill played the best softball of her career in her final season, SEC Player of the Year. Then she raised that level in the Women's College World Series, had a home run in her final game. She will leave the SEC all-time leader in walks, the Alabama career leader in walks, and home runs and top three in like 11 other categories. <laughs> right. Just an incredible player, an incredible person. I, as we were talking after the season ended and we were talking to Bailey and we finally got to hang out with her this year, I was like, man, this to me is the biggest casualty of this year that I couldn't spend more time with the players and with Bailey. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be really hard to say goodbye to her because just what a special individual 
and what a historic individual in Alabama softball history. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to go down in the annals as one of, if not the best, uh, power hitters in, in Alabama softball history. And Which we will ask Patrick Murphy yes. later. Uh, he already said uh, she's the best right-handed. We'll see if, if he goes all the way and, and go with uh, overall. But I, the only detractors that I've seen say, well, she got that extra half year uh, for 2020. But one, she didn't put up really great numbers in that half year. And two, we actually you thought, okay, well, let's, let's compare. And Kelly Kretschmann still played more games than Bailey Hempel did right. in, in her career. So I, I think ultimately all that kind of averages out and balances out. And the numbers are what they what they are for Hempel and just – an amazing leader. Uh, it was really good to see her kind of the maturity that she had to develop herself into that team leader because, you know, when she stepped on, on campus as a freshman, I'm not sure if she had that mentality or that personality to really be the leader. But, you know, she came back this season and, you know, she was going to be the best player. And it's it's always best when your best players are your best leaders. And, and Bailey was certainly that. Was able to book in her career. Had a just a massive home run the very first game she I ever saw her play. <laughs> uh, her very first game as a member of the Crimson Tide at Coastal Carolina just destroyed a ball to straightaway center field over their batting cages that they had in straightaway center field there in Myrtle Beach. Had a home run in the final game against Florida State. I will never forget the home run she hit at Auburn. Um, never. I mean, it's we are not exaggerating. If you if you haven't seen it, it is the most impressive home run I've ever seen. Iconic. It, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, so, I mean, that type of stuff, she always seemed to come through with those big type of plays in the biggest moments. And she she, she tried to put the team on her back offensively when Alabama got down 8 nothing and did everything she could. And it was it was afterwards really proud of the fight, not just her, but that, that the entire team showed there after, after just a disastrous start in that yeah. elimination game uh, to come back and, and really, really made you think they may come back and win this game. Uh, and a lot of that is because of the leadership of Bailey and Bill. Yeah, uh, as you said, I will echo that. An honor to call her games and to witness her legend here on campus. And I can't wait to see what picture they put on the wall because there are going to be some <laughs> options. I yes. mean, she had just just a, a historic figure in I, Alabama softball history. I, I go with the uh, either rounding the bases with the Grand Slam against Arizona State or the the home run against Tennessee to pull back ahead in the SEC tournament. But but again, those are not just eh, you know, throwaway games. Those were huge matchups and huge points in time and and she came through such massive way. Mm. We love you, Bailey. Yes. We do. The rest of the seniors we also love and we're going to recognize everybody here. Alyssa Brown, uh, the eraser in center field, has made spectacular catch after spectacular catch and I think really improved each year she was here. I mean, you could, and I'm just saying that. I mean, statistically, yeah, it shows the batting average got better every year. The OBP got better every year. The strikeout numbers went down every year. Just impressive. And uh, again, you know, a player that will be missed. Yeah, kind of a, a raw talent when she got here from Eclectic and uh, really, you know, rounded and matured really quickly as a, as a player and dealt with whatever issues she had really well. You know, she had the, you know, stepping out of the box when, when that. Uh, emphasis was changed and uh, had to deal with that and, and made a, a great adjustment at the plate and, and was able to uh, adapt and, and still keep what was her game, a part of the game with the with the slaps and the bunts and the speed. Yeah, and you're right, this the incredible catches uh, that, that she had out there in center field and really just kind of continued the lineage of Alabama center fielders, I, I think, yeah. really, really well. Taylor Clark. <laughs> 
you start. <laughs> I've got I've got a lot I want yeah. to say about TC. Uh, Taylor Clark just um, just a joy, just a joy to watch play, and uh, a player that had some had some troubles. You know, the the batting average not where she wanted it to be when she got here, uh, and went transferring from text for Virginia Tech, and you know went a long time before she got her first hit. Uh, but she was one that kept plugging and kept going out there. I th- I think she's a player that a lot of us can maybe most relate to because you could you could watch her working. You could you could understand that at the grind that she was putting yeah. in and, and the effort she was putting out there. And it didn't always it didn't always work. It it didn't always you know the results weren't always immediate. But especially here in the in the later, latter half of this season when she was thrown in uh, with the injury to to Claire Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Put in at shortstop, which of the four infield positions, probably her worst of the four defensively or the one that she's least comfortable at. And really just game to game, just rounded into such a, a real, just a really good, solid shortstop that could make a spectacular play, but was making the, the, uh, the routine ones as well, which was the most important. And then got some really big hits, including you know, making it SEC tournament, all tournament team and just, just massive production from Taylor Clark uh, when, when Alabama needed it. Yeah, uh, I, I think of her joy. I think of the smiles that you would see after she would hit a home run, um, just the way that she was, a, a good personality, and uh, just one of my favorites, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with with these players, it's always interesting because I've got a lot of friends who will say, you know, how close are you with the players? And I know it's more unique for me just because I'm like a year older than them. And, right. and we all essentially, I mean, I had classes with some of these girls. And uh, the way I've always viewed it is, you know, we're going to have the pleasantries with the players and we're going to say hello in the lobby and we're going to talk to them in passing. But kind of how close we are depends on them. You know, they, they kind of have to come to us because we don't want to cross any boundaries or sure. anything like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know, at least for me, Taylor came to me and we were pretty, you know, we were friends as the year went down. And uh, I just, I was so proud of her. I was so proud to see her continue to develop and get better. And again, that joy that just could never be stopped mm-hmm. in, in the field, even when she was 0 for 15. Sure. Yeah, I mean, she would just keep smiling and, and right. she would keep plugging away and she would keep getting better. And uh, just, again, uh, one of my favorites. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm. Love, like, some, love some T. Clarky. T. C. My yes. girl, Alexis Mack. Uh, I mean, just what a little, what a little spark plug up there <laughs> at the top of the order, running around out in left field. Uh, again, another very bright future and a key cog to this order because Alabama was able to use so many times this year that speed threat, especially when you've got Brown at the nine spot, Mack at the right. one spot, those two next to each other, defenses could never take a break. Yeah, that one-two punch of Brown and, and Mack in the middle and toward the end of games was just was just massive for Alabama's offense. And uh, Alexis Mack brought so much to this team. And you know the leadoff hitter led the team in batting average until right at the end of the season. Just a spark plug, like you said, anytime – you know, most games, game started, Max on base, and here we go. Yeah, and that's why Alabama was able to score early in games so often is because Mac was getting on base for the RBI producers and really added such a a, a speed threat and something that opponents had to deal with, and and it just threw their entire defense off kilter. You know, as a pitcher, you're trying to not let her get on base, and it's she could slap, she could swing away, she could bunt, and it was so hard to, to keep her off base. Mm-hmm. And she's got a really bright future, too. She might be hosting this podcast yeah, one day. Yeah, that's possible. That's her deal. She wants to go into media. Sarah Cornell, oh, gosh, speaking of joy, oh. gosh, Sarah Cornell, I mean, just the way that she lived her life and lives her life and the way that she played and, and – 
I mean, man, another uh, piece of this team that you're really going to miss. Uh, I I really enjoyed personally getting to know her family much more this year. Yeah, uh, her mom and dad, just really special people. Um, I have been privy to pictures of young gymnast Sarah Cornell via her mother, <laughs> and they're awesome. Yes, and just I mean a, a hole that will have to be filled at some point. But uh, gosh, it, another player that it's hard to say goodbye to. This year, she kind of took the role that uh, Courtney Gettins had on la- on the 2019 team, I think, as, yeah. as one that probably didn't pitch as many innings as she wanted to ultimately here this season, but was there. And it, it, it's very rare for a pitcher that or a player overall that is a transfer to really be a heart and soul type player, but that's how she was on this team. And everyone loves Sarah and, and everything, the joy that she brought to this team and kind of, kind of a, like I said, heart and soul, kind of a glue type player. And then we can't forget the con- contribution she made, especially in the circle in 2019. Yeah. Uh, SEC pitcher of the year and well deserved. Yes. She earned that. Yep. Claire Jenkins. Who, as the president of the Claire Jenkins fan club, this is a tough one. Yeah. I am so proud of what Claire was able to do and the way that she handled, you know, a a career that was complicated at times. Early on, she was moving around a lot in the infield and she was still trying to get the bat going. She had a pretty standout year in 2019 and then the injury came and Mm. and she never really got down. Uh, You know, 2021, her offensive statistics, I'm sure she wanted them to be better, but then had that same injury to the other knee. And I mean, still never stopped, never stopped leading this team, never stopped being present at everything. Um, She was a very vocal leader. She is just, again, going to be a face that I'm going to miss. I, Claire Jenkins, to me, is one of the first players when we first called a game together in 2017 against LSU that stuck out. I was like, I like her swing, and I like the way that she plays defense. And I can't imagine a world where Claire Jenkins isn't playing for Alabama softball. When a six-year player is gone, yeah, it seems like they have been here for a while. So she even got an extra year because of the, the red shirt that she was going to get medically and, and a tremendous leader, like you said, the quarterback of the defense. And and I think one of the reasons why somebody like Taylor Clark was able to to fill the fill the shoes was because of the leadership that Claire had, even from the dugout. Yeah, and you know, then sh- showing her the way and, and how things are done, and uh, it is is great to see that uh, she's one that is going to be extremely successful in whatever it is that she decides to do. Uh, uh, big old smarty pants is Claire Jenkins, and uh, just a genius, yeah, just I absolute. Mean... Uh, so, so it was tough to see her playing career come to the end that it did with the injury, uh, but ultimately. Uh, she has so much going forward here in her in her life and her career that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what Claire will do here in the next five ten years. Oh my gosh! I'm, mm. I hope she comes back a lot and you know takes <laughs> right. us all out to dinner because sure. I won't be able to pay for it. So Claire, we're relying on you. <laughs> we may be working for her. That's possible. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about some of the seniors who had decisions to make, and pretty much I think everybody's made them at this point. Uh, Maddie Morgan has announced that she's not going to come back. She's got stuff to do after college, as a lot of us do. And again, I think, you know, when I think of Maddie, what really sticks out to me was her improvement. She had a really great 2019 defensively. Uh, 2020, you know, a little iffy. The start of 2021, a little iffy. There was a reason she was platooning at third, but she took that personally and worked at it. And I thought her improvement from start to finish this year was probably the starkest of anybody on the team. Yeah, I think so too. And she's one that, that you knew from the very beginning that she first stepped on campus that she loved softball. Like she was going to be out there and was going to 
uh, contributed in any way that she could. Such great defense on at third base as far as making the real quick hand-eye coordination plays that, that are so uh, can be really, really tough at the hot corner and, and was able to do that. And, and she's another one that really matured, I think, especially this year. Kind of, kind of moving forward in, into this season as the run happened for Alabama, you could really tell Maddie Morgan was maturing and was rounding into a leader uh, on that defense. And we joked about it, but even even that the day during the perfect game when Montana Fouts' necklace gets caught in the face mask, I mean, who, who stepped up and said, I'm going to take care of that necklace? I got you, Tana. Maddie Morgan. <laughs> like, uh, mil- literally, Intricate million, work. Right, literally millions of people are watching me not – break this necklace as I'm trying to get it untangled uh, from Montana's face mask. It was just, uh, but that's the type of thing that she did. And uh, I, I'm really, I'm really proud of her and the way that, that she uh, rounded into such a great player here this season. Yeah. Before we move on to the other seniors that had to make decisions, because uh, I, I forgot she is labeled on the roster as a senior, not a graduate crystal Goodman as well. Also moving on to work in sports. And again, you know, a player that came in and made an instant contribution in her time. And one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. I have had players from other schools. Tell me crystal Goodman is a sweetheart and yeah. tell me stories about letters that she would write them after they would play in the world series. And, I mean, that's just, I mean, you don't see that every day. Just a special person. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, we talked about it uh, as far as what she did on, on on the field, you know, the devastating changeup that she had. If she had been on a team where there wasn't such a deep pitching staff, uh, I, I think she probably would have been uh, all-conference, if not, if not all-American, at least once, if not twice, after transferring from Chipola. But she wanted to be a part of a team like Alabama, and I think she really brought a lot to this team and, and helped Alabama get to where they are. Mm-hmm. As we look forward uh, back to the uh, seniors who had to make some decisions, KB Sides uh, it posted on Twitter earlier today that she has decided to move on from Alabama and uh, a player that we will remember for her fire and for a stare down of Kelly Barnhill <laughs> that is the best gift ever. Yeah. Um, and, and from a personal standpoint, there was a time earlier this year where there was just a lot going on. I felt really overwhelmed. And uh, KB, after we hadn't talked for months, randomly texted me and we just talked for a while. And yeah. and just uh, just a, a cool person, a great family. Um, her sister is awesome. And I've always loved talking to her various yeah. times over the years. And uh, a player that we'll miss, but uh, we certainly wish the best going forward wherever Absolutely. she decides to go. Yeah, and, and had a chance to watch... Uh... Alabama UCLA uh, basketball with with the sides family that was a lot of fun. She's a player that came in from you know nearby here in Dora in Dora Alabama and a five tool players when she stepped on on campus and you know had that great 2019 had a even better 2020 rolling and that's one of the the great travesties of 2020 is that we we were robbed of probably an all American season by KB sides and came up with some really big hits uh, really big moments as a member of Alabama and. Hey, hate to see her go, but uh, understand that different decisions have to be made. I don't, I don't think there's any animosity one way or the other. Just you know, there. That's this. This is going to be part of of ah, uh, of the rant later on. Not uh, everything is bo- wrong. Off the wall, right? <laughs> and finally, the the last senior, uh, Kyra Lockhart, Richard Jr. But she has also decided to uh, to end her career. And I mean, again, you know, a, a player that didn't get a lot of chances in her time here, and partially that's just because of terrible luck. Yeah. I remember in 2019, she was the best pinch hitter on the team. 
and she had the first weekend that just horrible knee injury that she never quite returned from fully. But she gave us some wonderful moments over the years, a walk-off over you and I in 2018, the double this year, I think also maybe against you and I. It might have been, yeah. yeah. so you and I. (laughs) Stop scheduling Carol Lockhart. Carol Lockhart, yeah. Uh, And also just a cool personality, Um, a, a player I wish I had gotten to know better, quite frankly, but... Uh, it was always fun to watch, and she gave us a lot of memories. Yeah, I hated to see that you know the injury kind of really kept her from being able to come back and play at the level that she was probably capable of. But um, another one that just a great personality and a great a great teammate, somebody that was able uh, to encourage from the dugout and, and help out coaching wise, and 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 just straight up encouragement. As I said, happy happy for her that she's able to make the decision um, and and to kind of you know make whatever next career and life choices she's going to make, but. Uh, I hate to see her. Another one I hate to see go, but I understand the situation totally. Yeah, the other one who is coming back is Kaylee Tao, and that's really awesome. We're going to talk more about that when we get ready to advance the first because this has almost been a 40-minute at-the-play <laughs> segment, the longest right. at-bat in history, and uh, we'll talk about what Alabama looks like in 2022 when we get to that point. But, uh, again, just to wrap it up, what a special group of players, not just the seniors but all of Team 25 and especially the people that we just talked about Um we love all of you, and uh, it, it was an honor to call your games. And it is going to be hard to look at that roster next year and not see a lot of those people on there. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of turnover coming it up is. this year. But, uh, yeah, that, such a a special group of seniors and fourth-year and fifth-year seniors and one of the reasons why Team 25 was so special. But uh, really happy to, to see that Kaylee Tao is going to be able to come back. And not off, not often you can just – We'll just add a three-time All-American in and, and, and see how things go. It's all good. Yeah. It's so, all good. Really looking forward to that. Maybe a four-time All-American. No pressure, Kaylee yeah, Tao. None. But here we go. Yes. <laughs> Hadn't happened a lot in Alabama history, and it could. Absolutely. I'm, I'm here for it if it wants to. <sighs> Me too. So, it's time to advance the first. Tom, who are we? I, I th- actually, I'm just going to tell you. We're Bailey Hemphill. Sure. One Sounds good time. to me. Yeah. Oh man, that one hurt. Breaking, breaking, <laughs> breaking up the no hitter, Bailey Hempill. That's how we do it. Yes, we are Bailey Hempill hitting it so hard it ricochets off the glove of the third baseman and breaks up a no hitter against Kentucky in supers. And it's time to advance the first. When we come back, the SEC is going to look mighty different in 2022. We got a lot of players leaving, a lot of players making decisions, and a lot of good young talent coming back. It's going to be interesting, Tom. And we'll break it all down here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Back to the Out of the Box podcast. It is time to advance the first. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. The SEC is always interesting to follow. This year, for the first time in a while, we did not have all 13 teams make the NCAA tournament. Tom, I'm going to go ahead and congratulate mm-hmm. you on nailing that pick. We wow. like South Carolina, but you did not like them on the field this year, <laughs> and that proved to be true. I like like the state of South Carolina, or just or I like I like you know the yeah. school, yeah. yeah. They were helpful with media days. And sure, yeah, you know, they I, were. Yes. But, uh, yeah, they, I did not think they were going to be any good, and they weren't. So, there you go. Very, you know what, we give you kudos. <laughs> Thank you when very we, much. When we both nail our picks, which is rare, but, you know, it happens. It does happen from time to time. Yes, we do have to, you know, acknowledge that credit. And now we look ahead to 2022, and, Tom, I'm just going to go ahead and preface, not just for you, but for everybody out there. I did my best, okay? I tried to find who who all's in the portal, who all is what age, what class is everybody, who has decisions to make. Mm-hmm. I didn't even try to look through social media to see if anybody had already announced. So if they uh, have, I'm sorry. I All I know is who's announced from Alabama. 
because again, we got home from Oklahoma City like 48 hours ago, and I'm leaving for Florida in about 72 hours. So there's a lot right. going on, and had to drive for like 13 hours <laughs> yes. through the back back roads of Arkansas <laughs> to get home. Floods everywhere. But you know, actually, I will say this: so my dad is going to St. Louis right now. He said it took him an hour to get over the bridge in Memphis. Wow. So we made the right call. We did make the right <laughs> we call. Did make, if you're driving through Memphis, don't. Just just avoid it. Go yes. somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the SEC is going to look very interesting. Let's start with Alabama because we didn't get to it in the uh, at the plate segment. This is who is coming back. Abby Dor, Bailey Dowling, Kayla Davis, Montana Fouts, Lexi Kilfoyle. Jenna Johnson, Jayla Torrance, Savannah Woodard, KJ Haney, Alex Salter, who we did not see this year. She redshirted, Kat Grill. And then you've got the recruits, including Aubrey Barnhart, who is the number five ranked player, according to Softball America. You've got Dallas Goodnight, already the all name team winner. Oh, can't wait. I mean, I, wait. I don't even care if she's good. Right. The name, I mean, you know, if she she's going to be, be good, good that's great. Yeah. Right, yeah. Jordan Stevens coming in from Tampa. I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. I have not met her, although uh, her dad did DM me. Uh, Callie High Villain, which again, if it's if it's High Villain, yeah, oh, that's a, that's a good last name too. Indeed. Uh, we've got Megan Bloodworth. Oh, that's another great name. It's just we're filling it out, and Jenna Lord, who yes. is going to lord over third base, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, golly, <laughs> Tom, uh, what a fun year it's going to be. Now, again, it's hard for me to preview because. We don't, yeah, we yeah, don't. we don't know what anyone's going to do. I haven't seen any of these players. I, you know, we'll see. Right. Uh, hopefully, we'll figure that out in fall ball when we get to go and watch. But, I mean, I'm excited, you know. And this is a team that has a championship pedigree, so it's hard not to think they will at least be challenging once again for the SEC and national championship. Yeah, I mean, it, it all starts. You know, you have the one-two punch of Fouts and, and Kilfoyle in the circle still. Uh, well, I'm very excited to see Salter and and what she will bring along with another year of maturity for Jayla Torrance. Uh, so it's going to be a, a really good pitching staff once again for Patrick Murphy and Steffi Van Brekel Prothrow. And then, you know, there is going to be a lot of youth uh, in the lineup overall, but there's going to be, I think there's going to be some good leadership again from Kaylee Tao. Yeah. Uh, that's that's going to kind of help kind of glue everything together a return hopefully 100 percent healthy bailey dowling as well to go along with with these true freshmen coming in so uh there'll be some new names out there to, to watch and to follow along uh but i expect things to just kind of continue rolling along yeah i mean me too I, I would also expect you know with that many young players probably a couple growing pains early on as people figure out where they play again mm-hmm. uh, alabama losing their entire starting outfield yeah and uh, you know some of the infield so it's not exactly automatic that that's going to come in and, and be fine but you know everybody will figure things out and again this is a team that always is in the thick of things in softball are you saying you foresee some off the wall there in february of 2022 Uh, let's just say if there is a game with two errors let's not shut down the program (laughs) let's not fire everyone i'm just making a mere suggestion probably good idea arkansas the sec co-champions what an interesting team this is and this is kind of what i was talking about when i said i apologize i just i don't know there are a lot of really good Arkansas players who have decisions to make. I think, again, it was kind of tough to parse. Mm-hmm. But uh, they've got Hannah Gamble coming back, Jenna Bloom coming back, Sam Torres coming back. The quote-unquote decisions to make, and again, they might have already been made, but they're important players. Mary Half, Kayla Green, Lenny Malkin, Hannah McEwen, Daniel Gibson. That's, a, that's the core wow. of your offense and your ace. So if you're Courtney Diefel, you are hoping they all come back because if so— You've got a team that can, again, contend to win the SEC 
if not, and, and especially even if half leaves with storms also leaving. That's what I was saying. Who's going to pitch if Mary right. Half doesn't come so back? So if half doesn't come back, that really complicates things. But, you know, again, a, a team that surprised some people this year, and we'll see what they look like next year, probably with more of a target on their back from start to finish. Yeah, there will absolutely be a target on their back for sure. They're, they Arkansas, the only team since 2008, not named Alabama or Florida, to have even claimed a share of the SEC regular season championship. So uh, they're not going to sneak up on anybody this uh, in coming up in 2022 like they did a little bit in 2021. Now, that being said, I think that's that's Cordy Diefel doesn't want to be sneaking up on anybody. They they you She know, wanted to get sure, here, yeah. Absolutely. So she has brought the team where they are now, and uh, we'll see if they're able to sustain. Yeah, and goodbye to Autumn Storms, Braxton Burnside, Ali Monzo, and Ryan Jackson. In particular, Burnside is a huge loss for them. And uh, Autumn Storms, I mean, just what an interesting career for her. Yeah. And, and I really feel for her that she had to battle through so much at the end of the year injury-wise and just never seemed 100%, even before Alabama went up to Fayetteville in April. Um, but, I mean, she was as big a reason as any that Arkansas won the SEC title this year. Yeah, I mean, we saw the best that Autumn Storms could, could give you uh, in that series in Fayetteville that Alabama played in. So you could understand why she was All-American Autumn Storms. That's right. Auburn, a 27-24 and 24 record last year, a team batting average of 241, which was just that was the issue because their pitching is incredible. Shelby Lowe, I think, is still one of my favorite pitchers in the league at another team. And she'll be back. Maddie Pence is back. Samantha Yarbrough is back. KK Dismukes is back. I mean, the, the pitching depth is there. I think the question is... What do you do offensively? You're losing your two alumni team members, Justice Perry, Alyssa Rivera. Uh, Tyler King has a decision to make. McKenna Dowell's in the portal. They've got some good young talent, but nobody that really scares you. And so I think for Mickey Dean, it's all about hopefully finding somebody in the portal that can come in and really provide a power threat and what your freshman class looks like. Yeah, and that's and you mentioned the portal. I think that's one of the, the main you know the the variable that that kind of throws in with everybody. We don't know who's going to pick up who, who's going to jump in, and who's going to get pulled out of that portal. So uh, as much as we're able to try to try to do these previews, it's hard to it's really hard to know, especially here uh, less than a couple hours as we record since the, the season came to an end. Right. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's still a lot of up in the air. Uh, but you're right. I'm I'm still not sure where any of the these the scariness of a lineup comes if you're Auburn uh, you mentioned Dal in the portal uh, she was really you know their best hitter i thought uh their their scariest overall player and uh for her to be gone in addition to everybody else that's leaving it's a it's a tough task yeah florida what a uh, what an interesting team this mm. will be. They actually return a decent amount of pieces, but a lot of the pieces that were struggling offensively. And then, of course, you add in the piece of Skylar Wallace, and I was trying to figure out what class she is. I honestly don't know. It Who says knows? on the sheet, junior question mark, senior question mark, no clue. Right. Like, I don't know how many years of eligibility she has left, but Skylar, Cheyenne Lindsay, Sharla Eccles, that'll kind of be, I think, your core three for Florida. And with no Lindemann, they're going to have to find other people to improve on pawn or just to come and fill in at those other spots in the lineup because they'll have Hightower back. They will have uh, Trilicek back. I mean, they've got, you know, things in place, and we'll see if Hannah Adams and Natalie Lugo decide to come back or if they already have. But either way, this is a Florida team that will, I think, have to answer a couple questions in 2022. Yeah, and a real disappointing you know, postseason loss in the, sim- in the Supers 
to Georgia there by the Gators. And uh, really their their issue really kind of came finally came to bite them in that super regional where they did not have a lineup from top to bottom that really scared you. That they had a top of the order that was really good, but then the bottom of the order, uh, it was very hit and miss. They were able to get some big hits late in games. They were very clutch. They knew how to win, but eventually that just kind of caught up with them. Uh, we'll see how much some of these players coming back will really affect that. And then I'm, you know, I'm sure a place like Florida is probably a pretty enticing spot for some of these transfer portal portal people to land. So. Uh, I, I expect there'll be some addition added in here soon. Yeah, also uh, saying so long, Jamie Hoover and Katie Cronister, <laughs> one of, I think, more of the underrated stories in the SEC. She actually was really good yeah. her last year of eligibility, was a fantastic relief option for the Gators. So that was really impressive. They've also got the number 7 overall recruit, Lexi Delbray, according to Softball America, coming in to pitch in 2022. I think – did Jamie Hoover like retire into the system? She's going to get a a retirement check from from the University of Florida. She's now the general manager of the entire University of <laughs> right. Florida at this point. Yes, she's been around for so long. As we continue on, Tom, the Georgia Bulldogs, and there's so much to cover here. Lou Harris Champer has retired. We'll see what direction they decide to go. Do they promote from within with Tony Baldwin? Do they hire one Coach Laporte from JMU, who has had a couple players go in the portal this week, which you know sometimes symbolizes changes are coming. Who knows? But I want to open up the Georgia conversation with a slow clap for the truth. You knew it was coming. My girl, Mary Wilson Avant, congratulations on an incredible career that almost – miraculously, because of your efforts in the circle, ended in OKC. Georgia pulled off a huge upset in Supers because Mary Wilson Avant shut down Florida and Gainesville. I called her for truth for a long time. She showed up as the truth in the postseason. It was impressive to watch. It was fun to watch. And so MWA and, and to your mom, Elizabeth, congratulations on a wonderful career. And you've got two fans in us, and especially in me, your, your favorite in the media. Um, just congratulations. Yeah, it was a heck of a run to to finish in OKC, a a team that finished I think tenth or eleventh in the SEC, and to pull that upset over Florida and to finish off the season and finish off their head coach's career in Oklahoma City when no one thought they were going to be there um, was a a tremendous uh, performance by her and the, and the you know the offense to be able to get them in that position. Heck of a job, kind of a silly. Major question mark for next year now because you got mm. the turnover plus we don't know who the head coach is going to be. That's right. I mean, Georgia is throw them in the enigmas. They might be the leaders now yeah, because they are the lead enigma yeah. at this point. That's for sure. You lose your ace, the truth. You lose Allie Cutting. You've got Britton Rogers coming back, and then you've got a bulk of the roster, and it's all offensive players: Sykes, Fields, Kuma, Kearney, Chambly, Landrum, Mosley, Fincher. We've got a top thirty recruit coming in, but. You know, Britton Rogers is really the only pitcher, you know, to me of note coming back. And so I think if Georgia wants to be really good next year, as much as I hate to say you got to rely on the portal, I think you got to go to the portal and get a true ace because Britton Rogers needs development. And it's, it's just going to be, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to look at Georgia and wonder what they're going to look like just because there's a lot of instability right now with issues with pitching and with no head coach. Yeah, and the portal's going to be, I think, going to be a major issue with them both 
getting people to come in, but who's going to jump in the portal? Who? Right. I mean, was this a surprise to the players that, that Lou stepped down? And will that be something that will cause some others that we don't think of right now to, to get into the portal? Who knows? I mean, that's it's still – I think they may have the most up in the air of anyone in this conference right now. Mm. But we love you, the truth. Yes. The truth has been set free. Congratulations on a great career. Kentucky, speaking of enigmas. Mm. <laughs> wow, where do we start with the Wildcats? We know who the head coach is going to be, and that's about it. Yes, Rachel Lawson. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a, a feisty team this was. I almost like hated that it had to be Alabama that played them in Supers, because Kentucky, I think, if they had been matched up with anybody at a conference, you know, they can beat anybody. And it also kind of, you know... I think it's a relief a little bit to Alabama that you're saying goodbye to Autumn Humes, one oh of the pitchers gosh. in college softball that just continually bamboozled the Crimson Tide. And, and yes, Alabama beat Kentucky twice in Supers, but throughout her career, basically from 2017 on, Autumn Humes just had something that Alabama couldn't figure out. Yeah, finally got to her because we played a best of seven, basically. <laughs> yes. So we were the, finally Alabama was able to figure her out uh, in the SEC tournament and then in the Supers. Uh, but yeah, she... She just had something that that really had uh, had Alabama on you know off balance the entire time. Whenever Alabama played, and the thing is, and, and because she was able to change speeds so well, and even her fastest wasn't you know in the you know she touched seventy but not seventy two seventy three. That you know it was really hard to get on time with her. Yeah. Now that being said, once once you were able to do it, you were able to hit her. But it took so long for Alabama to be able to do that, and. I'm going to be happy, hopefully, to only play Kentucky three times next year. That's the plan. Knock on wood. We'll see what happens. Yes, that'll be in Tuscaloosa if the Mm -hmm. conference slate looks the way it should. Returners, I mean, it starts and stops with Kayla Kowalik, Mm -hmm. who will be a senior. I mean, I, I stand by this. I think she's the most versatile player in the country. She was lights out this year. I can't even imagine what an improvement would look like. So she's going to lead that offense. That includes... You know, Riley Smith, Aaron Koffel, fantastic right. freshman, Renee Abernathy, Miranda Stoddard, and then, you know, players with decisions to make, Lauren Johnson, Mallory Payton, and I, I think maybe the one that needs to make the yes, stay decision, Grace Ballman. Kentucky will really want her to be able to do that because you are losing so much experience in the circle if you're the Wildcats and you have Ballman hopefully coming back for them. But offensively able to build around Koffel and Kowalik, uh, that's going to be an offense that's that's going to be – a problem yes, to deal with. as usual. Yeah, but we still won't know what they are other than the fact that they will probably be somewhere between a 13 and 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. Yes, and a tough out once we get to Supers. Right. LSU, again, a team that is intriguing. I'm trying to decide, Tom, if they underachieved this year because I think record-wise you would say yes, but at the same time, and they were the number 7 national seed. They got to Supers. Right. They got beat by a team that made the national championship. I mean, it's hard to evaluate LSU, as I feel like it always is when we look at the Tigers in the postseason. It was a little, it is difficult, but I would, I mean, I think I'd go so far as to say they underachieved. Okay. uh, Because, you know, this was supposed to be not, you know, supposed to be better than the seven seed. They were supposed to be top two or three. You know, they were, uh, there were people, you know, we talked about the big four at the beginning of 2021, and there were people that said that LSU should have been in that conversation because, especially because of the pitching staff that they had. They were not as consistent as they probably should have been based on their on their talent of the roster. Uh, they did play an incredibly hard non-conference schedule, uh, but sometimes that can kind of beat you up a little bit. Yeah, I think that's what kind of happened because we saw it with Alabama in 2020. 
there's just no opportunity to take a breath and try to get yourself right if things start going going wonky. And I think that's what happened to LSU. They they just continued to hit up against such tough non-conference competition. And as we know, there's no rest in the SEC. Uh, so I would say they probably underachieved somewhat based on the talent that they had, even as a seven seed, not making it to OKC. Yeah, you're right. I uh, I was thinking schedule wise. I had honestly forgotten about the preseason hype. That oh, was yeah. so long no. ago. <laughs> They're supposed to be like no one was talking about Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle, the best pitching staff in the country. Yeah. Okay, hmm. but they do return some from that pitching staff. Ali Kilponen, who I think, if anyone overachieved this year, it was her. I was really impressed by her in the circle. Shelby Wickersham disappeared this year. Yeah, can't happen next year. She's got to be better. To me, in 2019, she was the one on the staff I trusted the most, and she, I don't think, pitched an inning in the postseason. I don't think so. Yeah. Which is not good. That is no. not a good sign nope. for LSU. They've got Taylor Pleasance coming back, Sierra Briggs, George Clark, Raylene Gutierrez. Shelby Sinceri is a choice to make. Uh, I would assume she'll come back, but I have no idea. And then they will say goodbye to Mary Beth Gorsuch, Amanda Doyle, and Aliyah Andrews, one of the best leadoff hitters the SEC has seen in the last decade. Hate to see Doyle leave. Doyle? Doyle! Doyle! <laughs> Who one game, for some reason, I thought everybody's last name was Doyle. Let's say it together. Yeah. Somewhere Nathan <laughs> Sheehan is laughing. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> That's LSU. Ole Miss. You want to start? We're, wow, what is happening with Ole Miss? Let's go. So they've got a couple players in the portal. Amanda Roth, Jesse Puck, FGCL, will be uh, there. Um, decisions to make, some some big names, Abby Latham, Anna Borgen, kind of their ace, Sidney Gutierrez, Ava Tillman, returning players, Barringer, Allie, Smith, Whitley, Diedrich, got a top 20 recruit, according to Softball America. So Ole Miss, I, I just don't know what to think of them because I, I was impressed with the turnaround Jamie Traxel generated in, in year one. Yeah. I think the way they ended the year – literally could not have gone worse no literally from results to everything happening it could not have ended worse so i'm really curious to see what they do in the off season to continue to build camaraderie bring players in bring in talent and what they look like at the start of the season because Ole miss is a team that if they get the right player in if they get an ace then that's the team that could make some noise in the sec next year yeah about halfway to maybe a little past halfway of the conference schedule I mean, Ole Miss was a surprise of not only the SEC, maybe of the nation, and Jamie Traxel was in the running for maybe SEC Coach of the Year, and then things just absolutely fell apart. And then you thought maybe there was a little bit of a redemption story with what was going on at Arizona in, in the Tucson Regional because they played a lot better than I expected them to. Yes. Uh, but then just the uh, the shoving of the umpire and, and losing the control there and, and having everything just fall off really, I think, left a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth about about Ole Miss. And um, we'll see if they're able to get things turned around for uh, for next year because there were a lot of positives that they could take from this 2021 season. Cause they were a team that most people thought was going to be 12th or 13th in the conference and not anywhere near a regional uh, much less taking the Wildcats of Arizona to the limit. So you can take a lot of positives, but you've got to do something about uh, the negatives that that showed itself as well. Yeah, just a fascinating team. Can't wait to see. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get, yep. but we're all going to get it together. We will. And hopefully we'll get to talk to Jamie Traxel in the offseason because, I mean, I've got a lot of questions to ask her. Mm, I'm so very curious to see what uh, what Ole Miss does in the portal this offseason. And I just, I just hope that she's had an opportunity to, uh, you know, Sample some of the restaurants around Oxford. Now. I know, right? Yeah. 
I got to go back and listen, but I'm I'm curious to hear her favorites now, now that she's had a year, because right. um, we were things just, back open. And because when you move to a city in the middle of a pandemic lockdown, not a great time to go out and sample everything. So, uh, and there's a lot to sample in Oxford. There is, yeah, chicken on a stick. Let's go, <laughs> Missouri. Our dear friend Larissa Anderson, the Fighting Larissas. A great year that feels disappointing because honestly, Tom, I. I, I was shocked they didn't make the World Series. I was shocked. And they ran into a team and a pitcher that was on fire. But at the same time, that was about as easy a path as you could have imagined mm-hmm. for a team to make it to OKC, and it just didn't happen. And now the good news is you've got a lot of youth that can come back and figure it out. I believe, again, now you know the yeah, roster is we'll right. difficult to figure out, but young pitching, Lauren Krings, really showed out in the postseason. Jordan Weber, uh, you know, I mean, those two were unhittable in regionals, and they were still pretty good in supers as well. Cassidy Shomo, Emma Nichols, I think, showed promise as a closer. Uh, Jenna Laird, the SEC Freshman of the Year. You've got Kayla Kessinger coming back. Hattie Moore, Kim Wharton, Brooke Wilmus, I believe all have decisions to make, but if I know Larissa... Hopefully they're probably coming back. I mean, again, this is a team that maybe, you know, as good as they were, was actually a year ahead of schedule. And we'll see what the recruiting class looks like for the Tigers. I think they were. They were ahead of schedule and they were a very they were a team that had a lot of moxie and a lot of a lot of grit with them because uh, we saw um, what happened in the semifinals at the SEC tournament against Florida. And, you know, I think Missouri earned a lot of people's respect and earned a lot of fans. Uh, in Tuscaloosa and everywhere else with the way that they played against uh, Florida. You're right. that I thought their path was was one of the more easiest for an eight seed that you could get as far as it gets a World Series. But we said that before we knew what James, James Madison was. Right. Uh, I think if James Madison had gone to OKC and gone 0-2 and just got run-ruled twice, then I think it would have been even more disappointing for Missouri. I think they can take some solace in well, you just ran up against you know a, a kind of a team of destiny type thing with with the Dukes and Odyssey Alexander. So uh, I think you can kind of you can you can be okay with it, you know, as as okay with it as you can be in that situation. Uh, but I think there's still a lot really that they can build on from this year. Yeah. Also, just like Larissa's never going to be out of it. I mean, yeah. she's just not. It's just not who she is. I mean, I I don't see Larissa Anderson ever having a team that's last in the conference no. it's just not how she rolls even if even if their talent would be last which they're not going to be either because she can recruit too uh but if, if she had a down year that way they're they're going to fight and be at least middle of the pack yeah oh boy missouri might be my dark horse next year we'll early see. lean early lean i i keep every year i talk myself into missouri yeah. or arkansas just next year it's missouri just calm down let's see see what the portal does uh, we've only got nine months until the season right. starts <laughs> mississippi state uh, I mean, just first, I would like to honor uh, Fale Lua, mm-hmm. who has departed. She has gone on to do whatever she's going to do after softball, and good God, could she hit a softball a long way. Yes. I mean, holy cow, I still think her, Abby Cheek, uh, in terms of just the way they swung, yeah, probably the two most feared batters in the SEC that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, not Not Alabama. Right, no, I, well, no, no, no. but I think like even Bailey, you know, she her swing is awesome, but it's not scary to look at. It's effortless. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the I way that Fa and Abby Cheek could hit balls, Woo. you would say, "Good lord!" Right. Uh, like, why are we even throwing anything <laughs> in the general zip code? Yeah, uh, and and Fa was such a big part of that Mississippi State lineup for so many years, transferring from Arizona State. Yeah, uh, the one-two punch of Fa and and Mia Davidson uh, just 
you know, one of the reasons why we were so high on Mississippi State. I kind of see them in the opposite of what Ole Miss did, you know, because Ole Miss jumped out in the conference and, and looked like they were really good. Mississippi State obviously had a very tough start of the season, but once they, they got that first victory, went on an absolute tear yeah. and went from being maybe out of the NCAA tournament to being a two seed and, and won, if they had gotten a little bit better of a draw, may have had a, a better opportunity to even go further than just regionals. But, you know, they kind of ran against an Oklahoma State team that, that was – really really good in kind of the same way so but, yeah bad matchup yeah it's a bad matchup I, I think they've just got to get more consistent pitching up and down yeah. any willis sure. was good down the stretch emily williams had her moments grace fagan you know they were they were good mississippi state though they've got it they've got to get somebody else i mean the way the game is right now the way offenses are yeah you know if your offense isn't potent it's hard for you to outscore a team that does have a potent offense and so you've got to have the pitching that can combat that offense that is quote-unquote unstoppable and Mississippi State just didn't have that at a consistent level this year they also made a lot of defensive errors and they had injury issues all season long so we'll see what the Bulldogs look like next year this is the uh, decisions to make group that is most interesting Carter Spexarth, Annie Willis the Davidsons Emily Williams I mean if you're uh if you're Coach Ricketts you're hoping all five of those come yeah. back I didn't realize Mia was still I thought she was a fifth yeah year she year. uh she because she won freshman of the year that's right. Won it. You're right. You're right. Wow. Yes. I know, right? That? She's been there 110,000 years. <laughs> she, she will be next year's Jamie Hoover. <laughs> South Carolina. Wow. Here we go. Mm. They've got some key departures. I mean, the two best players the last couple of years, Kinsey McGuire, Mackenzie Bozel, setting records, mm. all Americans, all SEC. They're both gone. And, and that is almost impossible to to replace um they had great careers in a year that was tough they were the bright spots sure i mean mcguire hit 427 bozel hit 316 next highest average above the line was 304 like they were south carolina this year and so with them gone it is going to be a very tall task for the gamecocks to try and get back into the ncaa tournament next year it really is and i mean the main thing that they have they have to find a true ace there maybe you know like, like we talked about earlier with other teams is it a portal situation do they have somebody coming in but someone has to establish yeah. themselves as an ace because the pitching was the main reason i wasn't high on them to begin with um and it it, it was really an issue you can get enough offense depending on on how they hit you can get enough offense to win but you've got to be able to pitch yeah leah powell had her moments this year the freshman should be a sophomore next year but i mean as you're talking about that what sticks out to me not a single pitcher over 100 innings this year so they had a staff but not any one pitcher they could rely on and that kind of spelled doom for south carolina if they can get that then i think there's potential with this lineup top to bottom but uh, like you said this got to be more consistent yep 100 percent Tennessee. Let's take a look at Tennessee. Ashley Rogers will be back, and they've got some offensive personnel. Mm-hmm. But I think what really was just a punch to the volunteer face was at least the reports that I saw that Kelly Turner was in the portal because that's your number two. And all of a sudden, as much as it already was the Ashley Rogers show, the one thing Tennessee cannot afford is for that to be the case even more so next year. Again, maybe it's portal recruits. I don't know. they got to find another arm that can take that pressure off of her in the beginnings. Yeah, because uh, Tennessee, the scouting report was 
definitely win that game too when Ashley Rogers isn't pitching and then try to get to Rogers at least once. And that's what Al, that's what Alabama was able to do. That's what uh, a lot of other teams were able to do against Tennessee. They were able to still put together a, a really quality season, made a great run in the SEC tournament, and had the nine overall seed. Uh, but then, again, kind of ran into that team of destiny with James Madison. Yeah, and we'll see Kiki Malloy back. Madison Weber. Uh, some decisions to be made. Ivy Davis, Ashley Morgan, Amanda Ayala. I assume a couple of those will be back at yeah, least. Yeah, hope so. Chelsea Segern is gone. She had a great career for the Lady Vols, but it's going to be an interesting team to watch next year, and, and we'll see what other changes perhaps are coming to Rocky Top very soon. We will close with Texas A&M, and this is a just, again, a team that I'm not quite sure what to think of they've got a couple players in the portal a couple players with choices to make uh mckenzie herzog kayla pointer they've got a lot of young talent they've got actually a really good recruiting class coming in uh Haley lee was dynamic this year but at the same time i'm not I, i'm not sh- quite sure i know what the fix is for a&m because i feel like they were really close this year right to to turning things around and getting back to where they need to be but they just kind of faltered at the wrong time I think they've got the talent, but there, there's a, something missing, and I, I'm not sure I can quite pinpoint what it is, but if they can get that in place, then this is an Aggie team that could be kind of the middle of the pack dark horse in the SEC next year. Yeah, I agree. I think they were kind of, they were really, really close, and they kept, they were kind of the anti-Florida. They kept finding ways to lose in the last inning of the game instead of finding ways to either come back and win or finish off a game because they, they were, I couldn't count the number of times Texas A&M had the lead in the fourth, fifth, or sixth innings and then ended up losing a game. Uh, so they got it, and that's it's it's an intangible. It's hard to it's you it's hard to teach it. It's it's hard to know if a team has it, and a team can develop it from one season to another. Um, so I agree. I think there's a lot of talent there at Texas A&M, uh, but that they need something that will solidify them and allow them to finish off those games that they are in position to win. Normally, as we wrap up the 2022 SEC preview, this would be about the time, Tom, that I would ask you for your way-too-early SEC champion. I'm not going to make you do that, though, because I don't know. Like So yeah. much is going to change early, from man. now until the fall ball show, until the season four premiere, Yeah, uh, that it is, it's too tough to predict. I mean, we've, you know, as we record, we're being told things that might happen across the country as of tonight. So by the right. time you hear this podcast... Crazy things might have already happened in college softball. That is how fast this sport is changing. And I love it because, Tom, we're almost at the point, you know, I've got FGCL, but we've got the portal. We've got coaching news this year where we're almost, in terms of craziness, at an offseason level of what college football does. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be so much that changes before we even throw a pitch in 2022. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I'm, I'm on board with doing a way too early maybe – in around fall ball where we at least know who all the coaches are and <laughs> where most of the players are going to be we think we think so uh let's let's table it until then yeah oh boy man there there might be a lot of emergency podcasts this summer let's just say that luckily we're right. going to be together for a little bit but who's man mm. softball <laughs> it's a thing times are a changing here we go all right tom what do you say speaking of softball uh we talked to the man who runs everything down here in Tuscaloosa when it comes to softball, Alabama head coach, the Hall of Famer, Patrick Murphy. Standing in the third base coaching box as we speak. Yes. 783 winning percentage. <laughs> we try and we try, yes. but we, we're so close to 784. We'll get it. We'll get it next year. Just got to start off like 6-0 and and it'll happen. Yep. 784. 
uh, that's coming up because Tom, he, Patrick Murphy, has given us a sign. It's time to go. Let's, let's hit it. Yes. Green light guys scurrying together in the <laughs> studio. How fun. When we get back, we will be stealing second with Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. We'll talk about everything. It's going to be awesome. So stick around here on the Out of the Box podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. It is time to steal second on the show. I'm Gray Robertson. That is Tom Canterbury. It is the Season 3 finale. And as we have done for all past finales, we now chat here in the Stealing Second segment of the show with Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. Coach, hello. How are you? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm doing okay. You guys have been terrific, you know, obviously for three years in a row. And I know you have a loyal, very loyal following, so... Thanks to everybody that listened to you guys and listened to the podcast. And um, I think it's just really good for college softball that we can have another avenue to just talk about the game. <laughs> well, thank you. And we've got so much to discuss, Coach. I mean, what a fantastic year. I was texting you about it, I think, last night. I don't know, all the days that blurred together. And it was just such a, an honor for us to follow this team and call the games this year. And Team 25 was such a special group. As you have now reflected, I'm sure, on the past season, what are your main takeaways from the 2020 year with this Alabama softball team? Well, I mean, first of all, it was just a dream magic carpet ride. You know, Um, the only thing that really didn't happen is we didn't win at all. And it sucks for everybody. I'm, I'm obviously I'm more upset or whatever than anybody else. But, um, I mean, they did so many good things. They did, um, you know, the unthinkable, really. I mean, I had so many fans text me and, and say, shame on me. But when Claire and Bailey Dowling went down, I was like, that's it. That's it for the year. And, and she said, you know, a couple of them said, lo and behold, here we go. And, you know, you win 20 games in a row at the end and 18 versus top 25 opponents. And, you know, and those are some big, big games because it was obviously the SEC tournament, regional, super regionals. And then you beat um, the two, you know, most storied programs in the country in, in Arizona and UCLA. So just they overachieved, I think. Um, we had some really, really good performances from people. And, you know, and it was, it was so much fun. And I'm sure it was fun for you guys to call the games because you're like, holy shit, you know, Maddie Morgan hit a home run. <laughs> and you hadn't seen that yet. And she just, you know, people picked their days and times and, it was somebody different, Taylor Clark, you know, versus Clemson with the home run, um, Tennessee home run, you know, and obviously Bailey in the SEC tournament breaking all the records by Crutchman. And so just, you know, I'm going to look back on it maybe in a, a month or two and just have a huge smile and um, think really, really good thoughts about this team. One of the, the greatest performances maybe in Alabama softball history with Montana Fouts' perfect game against UCLA in the Women's College World Series. 
what was it like just being being there and a, a part of that type of performance and watch that type of greatness? It just you know uh, you know it's it's like I think I said to the um, press corps afterwards you know you were a witness to greatness and it doesn't happen very often in sports you know and people to me from you know the major league baseball segment and said Murph a perfect game is just that you have to be perfect and you know it, they just put it into perspective for me and you know I read a couple of text messages to the team afterwards and. It was just, you know, one of the coolest nights of my career, really. And, and I, of course, I didn't even know it was a perfect game until Sarah Cornell told me afterwards. And, um, you know, the whole team was waiting for Montana after she was talking to Holly Rowe after the game. And, um, you know, I, I, I knew it was a no-hitter, but I just totally spaced off that it was a perfect game. And, you know, it was fun to watch. I'm sure it was fun to call. Mm, it I really was. We definitely enjoyed call. that broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, and coach, unfortunately, when a season ends, that means you have to say goodbye to a lot of players. And, and what a fantastic group of seniors, not just the graduates, but also the uh, the regular seniors uh, who are departing after uh, after this year. And I just want to give you a chance to talk about everybody as, as long as you want, because this is a podcast and we run it and you can talk as much as you want about yeah. this special, special group. Well, you know, one thing when when you don't, you know, only one team gets the big trophy, you know, every season, only one team. So what else can you hang your hat on? You know, you know, is it, is it a wasted season? Cause you didn't win the last big trophy. And I would say absolutely no. And, you know, one thing is you can give those young ladies the best experience of their lives playing softball. And I think we, we've done that, you know, and they can look back and I mean, you guys were in the room when everybody talked after the, the last game, back at the hotel and there was a lot of tears. There's a lot of laughter. Um, it was the hardest thing for me in the world to be in the press conference room after the game with Montana and Bailey. And, you know, some of the questions that were asked are, are obviously really tough after that type of um, season ending loss. And just to hear both of them speak very eloquently and very professional and, and really heartfelt just was awesome to see. But the seven seniors, and, you know, I, I've said this before, but when, when six young ladies can leave with their master's degrees and then Crystal leaves with a double major and she will eventually get her master's degree next year at Southern Miss, that, that also is awesome because they're set for life educationally. And, you know, some of them, like Bailey Hemphill, will go on to occupational therapy school at uh, hopefully LSU New Orleans. And, um, but for most everybody else, that, that's hopefully the end of their schooling unless they, you know, want to be uh, a doctor somewhere. So they're set for life and um, professionally, they're going to be great people. They're going to make great employees wherever they go. They're going to teach people a lot of things. I think that's the cool thing about being a part of a team because you learn so many life lessons that, you know, people that don't, don't play a team sport, they don't get to learn. So all those things that um, those seven seniors learned, they're going to take take with them to their jobs, to their families, you know, to their organizations, their businesses, and they're going to be a step ahead of everybody else. And, and to me, that's really cool. And what, what does it really say about these those seven seniors? That because when you look around the rest of the nation, uh, that didn't happen everywhere. There were a lot of places where if players were wanting to continue to play, they transferred out so that they didn't have didn't keep that 
whole class together, or there were some that you know, they weren't able to use that extra year of eligibility. Uh, but for all seven of them to want to come back and and be a part of this run, what does it say about them? Oh, it's it's obviously it says a lot that they love the game and they love you know Alabama and you know and some of them you know because it wasn't a guarantee that they were going to play and that that obviously you know Crystal and Sarah their roles were really different yet you know they had some of the biggest smiles on their faces all year long and their you know their hearts were full and they were just incredible teammates and you know they learned a couple life lessons right there and it's going to help them you know i'm sure they wanted to play uh and look at the taylor clark you know i'm so glad she came back because if she's not if she's not with us what do we do when claire and dowling go down yeah i mean i was thinking about that a couple times like oh my gosh what would we have done um so just just great kids i can't say enough about them um, and I'm really, really glad that they got that opportunity. And they got, you know, I remember last year when Bailey tweeted, this can't be it, this can't be the end. I want to I do it on my terms. You know, and obviously she wanted to end it at the College World Series, and she got to do that, and all of them did, um, which I was really pleased with. Mm. It's getting a little dusty in here, Coach. As, uh, we're chatting with Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy here on the Out of the Box podcast. So, Coach, as we look forward – I mean, you're losing Crystal Goodman or you're losing Sarah Cornell, but that pitching staff is still really talented. Maybe the best one-two punch in the country for any team in Montana Fouts and Lexi Kilfoyle. Jayla Torrance showed a lot of flashes of potential this year, and then we never saw Alex Salter, but she was a higher-rated recruit coming out of high school than even Torrance was. So this is going to be a really stacked pitching staff for you next year. Yeah, it'll be junior, two sophomores, and a freshman. And, you know, you know the story where I did not want three freshmen in a class uh, of pitchers. That's uh, not good when they all graduate and they're all good because then i gotta, I got to figure out how do I get three pitchers to replace those three. So Salty, you know, said, sure, I'll redshirt. And then um, obviously Jayla pitched and uh, Lexi got to repeat her freshman year. So I think it's – I like that, you know, where it's – junior, two sophomores, freshmen, uh, and you're right. You know, Jayla got some taste of some good games. Um, you know, she had a really good game against North Alabama. She got in a couple SEC. But um, the thing that I really liked was, you know, Steph had said in the bullpen that when Montana's next to them, they all work harder because mm. they have to. And it forced everybody to kind of kick it up a notch. And just to have her presence right there, um, means a lot to us. So I think pitchers are going to be fine. Um, you're right about uh, Salty. You know, she uh, finished second at PGF for junior summer. Uh, and it was a ball that hit the third base bag that went fair. Um, so I think she's ready to go. She's excited. She worked her butt off. You know, as a redshirt, it's really, really hard to do. We've only had really one kid um, do that, and that was Amanda Locke. And I told Salt, I said, look, if Amanda doesn't redshirt her freshman year, we don't have her four years later, and we won the national championship because she was in that lineup. So um, I don't know. Maybe that's a good omen and, um, you know, can repeat that. But I think the pitchers will be fine. Um, 
and it'll, I'm already looking forward to it, believe it or not. Mm. We are too. And Coach, I do want to talk about Lexi Kilfoyle for a second because obviously the Florida State games did not go the way we wanted, but I think a story that people don't look at in those games was how well she pitched, not just in the start on Sunday, but also in relief on Monday, kind of being thrown into an impossible situation, and she pitched incredibly. And that was after a super regional performance against Kentucky where she looked really strong, getting her first real true start against a Power 5 team in a long time. So in this postseason run, what did Lexi Kilfoyle show you that you can take into next year? Oh, it was, you know, and she she strikes out 15 versus Alabama State, throws the, the no-hitter. Um, perfect game, I think, right? Yes, it was, right? Game? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So many perfect then, games, they all run you know, together. <laughs> yeah, So and then the Super Regional versus, you know, a great hitting team. And I could tell after she got out of that first inning against Kentucky, she just started to gain confidence and everything just started to look really good. I was like, she's going to do this. She's going to throw a complete game. And obviously that helped. And then um, to have great experience, you know, against Florida State the first game. And, you know, the first, the first run um, is an infield single that we probably should have thrown that girl out. But, you know, she beat it out. And... Um, and then, like I said, you know, I went out to the mound with her, and I said, look, we need to stop the bleeding, and we need to put up some zeros. And she did that. I think it was for either four or five straight innings. She put zeros on the board for us and gave us a, ch- a chance to come back. And I really do. I think she's going to be better and better. I think she's, you're going to show or she's going to see improvement, just like Montana did between last year and this year. Um, she just, you know, once you get that taste, of being at the World Series and pitching those big games, um, that experience is just going to help her so much. So uh, the Twin Towers will be back. <laughs> and Coach, I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, brag on and talk about your, your coaching staff and, and what they did this year and what they do all, overall. Uh, Allison Habit, Steffi Michael Prothrow, and Morgan Lashley this year. Well, they, they were awesome, and, you know, it was – you guys know it was a weird year for everybody in the country mm-hmm. in the world, really. Yeah. You know, Steph has a baby and has six pitchers, you know, and has three managers and three catchers. So she's got 12 people that she's trying to maneuver in the bullpen, which was probably the toughest thing she's done. And she just did a great job. And obviously everybody saw the improvement that Montana um, showed, which you just don't see a picture, a pitcher, have a rise and a drop that's just as effective as, as, as each pitch. And um, she had Montana doing both. It's usually one or the other. And then, you know, you sit on something. And the batters didn't get a chance to sit on anything. So huge improvement. Um, just did a great job all year long. Allie, you know, again, we have two kids get first-team all-conference outfield, which is a rarity, and Alyssa and Mac. And, you know, both of them just – we're awesome short game and defensively just, you know, I thought we had this outfield in the country and, um, and Momo, you know, helped us with obviously her arm, but just her experience as a player, um, just everything in the game. She's just really, really good in the dugout. So, and we're going to miss Morgan. And I guess I can announce it with you guys. I'll give you a scoop. Some, some of you might know it, but some of you might not, but um, Ryan I Murray is going to come back. She's going to be our new volunteer assistant coach. Well, that is and fantastic. We're really excited yeah, we're uh, so excited. And, of course, all the alums are excited because 
she's one of the favorites of everybody's and um you know she was just terrific when she was here and she's been helping her dad coach at uh, florida southwestern community college who won the national championship this year so happy that we can get her and um morgan's obviously getting married and starting a, a new life down at the beach with with anthony or her fiance so um you know we've been really really lucky with that because got lucky again with with Ryan. wow well that's that's awesome to hear i can't yes. wait to see her this year that's awesome very excited <laughs> my goodness alabama head coach patrick murphy here with us on the out of the box podcast uh, coach this is my favorite question that i wrote out because I just can't wait to hear your answer. We're putting you on the spot a bit here. A couple weeks ago, you told us in pregame you thought Bailey Hemphill was the best right-handed power hitter in program history. Now I'm going to ask outright, is Bailey Hemphill the best overall power hitter in program history now that we have seen her career start to finish? (laughs) Gosh. It might be a tie with her and Kretschmann. Um, Because both, you know, obviously Bailey beat her home run record and you know, the only thing Kelly had over Bailey is she had speed. You know, she could do it. She could lay a drag bunt down and beat it out and then steal second and, you know, turn it into a double right away. So between both of them, it's, it's, it's a tough call. And obviously, Kretschmann was such a great athlete in the outfield and played on three Olympic teams. So uh, let's say it's a tie. That's a tough call. I I, I, think, I think both of them would love that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Bailey would be perfectly fine with that, with that call. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, yes, and, and Crutchman, to be honest. Sure, <laughs> uh, Coach, we saw in the in the World Series this year um, a couple of uh, icons in, in the world of college softball uh, make it to the World Series and then and then call it a career afterwards with Mike Andrea and Lou Harris Champer and just uh, your thoughts on on those two uh, bowing out of the, of the at least as the head coach. I'm sure they're still going to be involved with the sport. Well, the, you know the the best thing I say about both of them is they really shared their knowledge and. Lou taught me so much about base running, uh, and I don't, I don't know if she ever knew that, but um, so much of the things that we do, I learned from a, from her at a clinic one time. And, and then Mike probably taught the whole country how to hit, um, and you know he did things that nobody had heard about and um, at the beginning of his career. And but he evolved with the times, and I think I, I told a reporter from Tucson at the World Series that he wasn't stuck in his ways. And I'm, I try not to be that way either, but he evolved as the game evolved. And that's really cool to see. Um, and, you know, he was just as re- relevant now as he was 25 years ago. So just a really, really good guy. He would talk to anybody, high school, summer ball. I mean, you name it. Um, and Lou, you know, obviously was one of the fiercest competitors. And you knew it was always going to be a battle when we played Georgia. And I'm going to miss her, too, because she she just, um, you know, just the competitiveness and the fieriness of her and her team, that was fun to play against. And um, I know, you know, she's got three kids, and she's going to be a full-time mom, and good for her. Mm. Coach, you talk about the game evolving, and we have seen the popularity continue to rise. Twitter just was taken by storm by softball in this postseason, and the ratings were huge. The second Florida State game, I think, finished at 1.68. Game one of a champ series, 1.86 million viewers. Game two's ratings were over 2 million last night. So, you know, we have seen the popularity of this sport skyrocket. Softball is the only sport doing what it's doing with television in terms of seeing a ratings increase this year. So now what's next? How do we keep the sport where it is and, and keep it growing around the country 
Well, I think, you know, now that you bring all that stuff up, but didn't we talk about, it was either last year or two years ago, on this podcast, and I said, you know, softball is going to be a bonanza here in a couple of years because we talked about the Olympics right? and how exciting that was going to be. And we were on the cusp of something really, really big. And I think you're right. You hit it on the, um, on the head, but this was a huge year for softball and notoriety, TV coverage, you name it, the players, just the excitement of the games, the energy in the games, everything kind of like came to a big head and TV was right there with us. But now, you know, we need to do some things, not only at the World Series, but regular season. Um, I definitely think we need some sort of instant replay. I think that, you know, it's coming in SEC uh, play only because we're going to do it next year. We were going to do it this year, but COVID kind of kicked it to the curb. But we will do it next year. And I just I think you'll see more and more conferences adopt it as well because it, it was so smooth at the tournament. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, really I, I couldn't tell if there was any delay. You know, the, the calls were either made or overturned, you know, within two minutes. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal at all. So that's going to help us. I think it legitimatizes the game itself when you have replay because you really don't want somebody to win on a, on a crappy call or whatever. And the umpires don't want that either. You know, that's one thing in the, the um, equation that I think the average fan doesn't know. They want it too. They want to get the calls right, and you know they don't. Their egos, they don't care if if replay shows that it's right or wrong. They're okay with it. So, um, but I think you could see like next year, and I'll also tell you this: um, since the series is over, but we have uh, two really really good teams coming to Tuscaloosa next year for a, a tournament at the Rose House in Florida State and Texas. Have both decided to come and play. So, oh wow, that'll awesome. be probably the, the best three-team tournament in the country. Uh, first weekend in March. So we're looking forward to having both of them. But I think, as a group, I think a lot of us are going to sit down and talk about where we can get better at, what we need to improve on, um, how the NCAA softball committee can help us, how e- how ESPN can also help us because um, they're they're a lot in the decision making. So we need their help as well. And I think that kind of brings you into another question we wanted to ask about uh, the World Series, the overall schedule. Uh, we saw that with the weather that happens and, and things like that, it, it rarely is going to stay on the schedule it is, and there's such a tight time frame. Uh, would you be in favor of adding an extra day or two somewhere, a buffer uh, for the World Series schedule? And then also I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to once again uh, get on the soapbox about the safety base at first base. Yes. Well, you know, when I was – the president of the NFCA, I think it was 2011 and 12, we were still asking for a three-game or a three-day Super Regional because when it first started, it was one game on a Friday night and then, if necessary, two on Saturday. And you're, literally your most important game of the year was 30 minutes after you lost or won the second game. And, you know, shoot, in Tuscaloosa in May, it could be 98 degrees and hotter than heck in Tucson or wherever you're at. And we asked probably for five straight years, we got it switched. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And sometimes, you know, we might have to ask and continue to ask. And, and I think the series, like the latest ask was 
almost every every team that has been in the championship series has asked for a day off because there really isn't like in the morning you directly uh, go to the ASA Hall of Fame Stadium and do more TV interviews, more TV stuff. And I think one team's like at 9.30 and one team's like at 11. So there really isn't any sleeping in, and um, you don't really have time to scout or look at film on Monday because you're at the stadium. So that that really needs to happen, I think. And I think everybody that's been the last two teams for the last 10 years would agree on that. I just don't think there's anybody that would say, no, let's not do that. So you're just going to have to sit down with TV, the softball committee, and literally just hash out, you know, a new bracket. You know, just start from scratch and and brainstorm about it. And I I think there's enough smart people in softball that we can get it done. Couldn't agree more, Coach. Um, That's, uh, yeah, we certainly hope changes like that and rule changes and a lot of change, frankly, uh, come to softball because we talked about this on the air. You know, with the popularity that it has, there are still some rules that have not quite caught up to that popularity. And I think of how uh, strict and stringent the -the out-of-the-box rule is, although this year we didn't see it called very much across the country and and just a lot of different things um, that that need to be updated. And I think, you know, I wanted to give you a chance as well, just like Tom said, to talk about it, uh, the safety base. You know, we see it internationally, we see it at other levels, but we don't see it in D1 softball. And there were many chances, not just at Alabama, but across the country, where injuries could have been avoided if that safety base at first base existed. Yeah, and Bailey Dowling had texted me after I tweeted that, and she said, can I heart this a thousand times? And it just, you know, it's in the Olympics. It's in so many high school state associations and federations, baseball and softball. We played it in high school baseball in Iowa, you know, way back 30 years ago. We had it. Um, And in softball, the biggest difference is, you know, the, the bases are 60 feet. And when let's say it's a drag bunt, a right handed hitter. When she drag bunts, when she steps, you know, first to first base, she's already inside the foul line by probably four to five feet. So almost her entire route to the base is inside the foul line. And it's just the way it is because you don't have time to get over to, you know, the opposite side. And so there are a lot of collisions that are unnecessary at first base because of that. And then the lefties, it makes it even worse. And there's a lot of really, really fast athletic people that play softball now. And then you have the second base person sprinting over because she's got to cover first. And there's a lot of times it's very, very difficult for her to stop on a dime, catch a ball, you know, touch the base. So to me, and it is, it is in the rules, uh, Hopper, this is a rule change year. Um, and hopefully you'll be pleased both of you that there's, there's a lot of, um, Shoot, I think there was over 20 to 25, um, you know, possible rule changes that people had, had put in. Now the committee has to go through all of them, and they, they talk about pros and cons and everything. But um, there was quite a few. And another one was go back to the old rule of um, the complete foot has to be out of the box for a slapper to be out. You'll like that one, Gray. Mm-hmm. Please. Um, so it, I, I think that. I think some of the ones will happen, and if it doesn't, we'll just continue to do it like a lot of other things. We'll keep pushing for it. Mm. 
Well, Coach, we are very excited to see all of that happen in 2022, as well as what Alabama looks like. And uh, just one more time from both me and Tom, uh, thank you again for a great year. Obviously, this was an incredibly tough year in so many different ways from what the team dealt with to just what we all had to deal with and what what you and the squad had to deal with with COVID testing each week and all the different hurdles that we jumped through. We got it done. So congratulations to you and thank you so much for a great year. And thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, and, and I apologize to both of you guys because it was a weird year for our pregame interviews. And, you know, you didn't get to come down to the dugout, sit and talk with everybody, and we had to do it over the phone or whatever. But it was, um, I can't wait to go back to what we used to do. And then the other thing I was going to say, you know, there's smart people out there everywhere, including you two, where like SIDs are some of the most creative people in the world and, and have great thoughts about things where we could ask a lot of people to think outside the box and say, Hey, what would you do? And I want to hear from people. You know, I don't, I don't want to just take four or five pe- people's uh, ideas. I want to hear from a lot of people. So, um, and that includes you too. So if you guys have any ideas, throw them out there, but thanks for everybody else for listening to you guys and all the people that listen on the radio. I have so many people from Iowa that said, you know, thank God for Tom and Gray, because whether they were driving or somewhere or they couldn't get, you know, internet, they always listen to you guys. Well, we, we appreciate it, Coach, and uh, thanks so much for everything that, that you always do for us. And we, uh, we like Gray said, we look forward to uh, getting back to more normal in 2022. Okay, awesome. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks, Coach. That was Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. Now when we get back, we will round third with our girl Kayla Bro, who just saw a couple hours ago Oklahoma win the national championship We'll get her thoughts on that, plus everything else in softball and her new child coming soon. She hasn't even changed out of her Disney stuff yet. <laughs> well, I can't confirm that. Well, yeah, But we'll see. We'll ask her when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. It is time to round third. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, and we are rounding third with just one of our favorites, and I think it's just fitting that we get to talk to her in the season three finale of the Out of the Box Podcast. It is ESPN analyst Kayla Bro, of course, the All-American from Alabama as well, who has spent the last couple days just thriving on set at the Seven Innings Live alternate broadcast i i want to kind of call out courtney lyle that is a real broadcast too uh kayla bro how are you feeling now that you just got off set i guess about two hours ago after oklahoma won the (laughs) national championship uh you know i was just i'm tired but in the the best way you know what i mean you're just exhausted you just put in a really like long week of hard work big moments i mean we're at the world series it was hot but it was a fantastic week so it's definitely like bittersweet to be done like i'm excited like okay i get to go home and like chill for a little bit but i'm also like man i miss softball so much so uh it was good to be back what's uh what's the plan i mean you've got some off time are you going on a trip somewhere i know uh i know you're pregnant right now but are you gonna take a vacation (laughs) i'm gonna try to take a little vacation i'm like almost to my can't fly zone of being my during my pregnancy so um, trying to convince my husband to either go um, to Central Oregon, has like this beautiful resort town, go to Bend, um, 
go hang out there and soak up some sun and pool time a little bit. That's my goal. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you mentioned we just uh, coming off of the uh, national championship uh, series coming to an end with Oklahoma winning the national championship and your immediate thoughts after, uh, after the just a heck of a series between the Seminoles of Florida State and the Sooners of Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, I thought Florida State, they just put up such a good fight, and they won game one, and they just, just seemed, seemed like they ran out of gas. I think that, uh, fortunately for Oklahoma, they just had more depth in their lineup and more depth in their pitching staff, so G hadn't really pitched enough, or pitched a ton that World Series, so she could go two games back-to-back and look really fresh and really sharp. So, uh, benefit for the Oklahoma team that won the national championship, but, I mean, Florida State came out of nowhere, <laughs> They beat the Sooners in game one. It was a really good series. But the hitting and the pitching combined for Oklahoma was just too much. And I think Florida State got as far as they possibly could. And then it was all the Sooners after that. And, you know, credit the Sooners because they had one of the best offenses we've ever seen or we've seen in a long time in college softball. And um, I think there was a big target on their back. And despite losing game one, they came back and proved everybody right. <laughs> they were, uh, the the team to beat at the tournament. <laughs> I know we. Uh, I mean, we talked about how good Oklahoma was all year long, and then we did the podcast with you the night they lost, and we seemed to think, wow, maybe there's a, a you know a chink in the armor for the Sooners, and we thought it was the pitching, and then G. Juarez came out today and last night, and also this afternoon. I thought maybe through the best of her career, just the way her off speed was moving and her curveball again was untouchable, kind of just like it was at the early part of the 2019 season and it was really remarkable to watch her work the last couple days in the champ series yeah it was she just kind of got to a different level and we've seen her struggle with the women's college world series i think i don't remember what it is all the numbers blur together in my head now at this point but um comparing her like 2018-19 world series to this one her numbers are like completely different um so i think that shows the mental side that she got tougher because she's always had good stuff but um, I think she got past the hurdle in her brain of um, trying to do too much at at Oklahoma City and in Oklahoma City to try and win a national championship, and she let the team be who they are. She did her job, and uh, it's kind of interesting because looking back, like Florida State, I think they actually struggled more with the spinny pitchers like Kilfoyle, Torres, because they yeah. hit bouts really well. They hit May really well. Those sale they hit sale like all those are more bullet spin pitchers and uh, they struggled with the spinning one so i think g getting those two starts is the difference mm, that's a good point caleb bro joining us here on the out of the box podcast and bro i also want to talk about your onset experience at Oklahoma City with seven innings live. I watched last night and today, and it's it's like the dream broadcast for me because you are <laughs> broadcasting softball, but not really. But you're also eating and drinking various smoothies and milkshakes and lots of different things. So I'm just going to ask, was the seven innings live alternate broadcast the best thing you've ever done? And also your favorite bit of food or beverage that you consumed Ooh. while the Champ Series was going on? Um. It's amazing. Like, I think two things that make me appreciate doing seven innings is this is the third time I've done it now, but it keeps getting better and better. Like, the first year, it was just like, we didn't know what we were doing. Second year, it was like, okay, now we have like a plan. And then this year was just kind of like really immersing yourself in the experience and um, getting to learn from it. But the two things that I like most is number one is that there's time with the other analysts up there to have really good conversations 
we can talk softball, we can talk not softball, we can just engage with each other and you don't get to do that as much during game because you can't talk over pitches. You have to be like zoned in on stats. You have to really like lock in on pitch location and game trends. And not that we weren't locked in, but there's just a different vibe. So I, I appreciate that. And the second thing that I really, really enjoy is that it feels like I'm sitting on my couch watching the game with my friends. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, um, I'm sitting with the audience. We get involved in Twitter. Like you just feel like you're connected to the viewer at home more than when you do the broadcast, which I think you feel more like you're in your own box in your own bubble. And you're like talking to yourself and you're play by play the whole time. And that's it. Um, it doesn't feel like that. So it's just a really cool um, thing. And I would say food. I like the most, the food was all great. Like the barbecue was good. The biscuits were good today, but when you're up there and it's like 95 degrees, like the smoothie we got today, like the Hawaiian smoothie and like the lemonade, just perfect <laughs> for it being so hot. I, yeah, I was texting Jen and I asked her, like, did Cattlemen's, were they not delivering to the set? I was, I was really hoping <laughs> we would get a steak just breakdown from the seven innings live set. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They, uh, probably, Probably would have been a little too much to have the the full steak dinner on set, but you know, I'll put that in for next year. Potentially a cattleman's uh, little taster plate, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we we see it in with a college game day for football. Like they they bring all sorts of stuff like that onto onto the set yeah. for game day. So that's what people were saying. They were like, "We need a college like we need a seven innings live like college game game day in the regular season for like a couple oh, of big games." So I was like, that, "Heck yeah, we do." That oh needs gosh. to happen one hundred percent. Mark it down. Yes, put it put it in writing right now, Tom. <laughs> Are you listening, Meg? Let's do it. Uh, another World Series question, because this is going to be another thing we debate for a long time. This is the first World Series to play 17 games. We had a champ series where both teams lost their opener. It went to three games because, of course, it did. You had James Madison. You had the Montana Fouts perfect game. Is this the best World Series ever? This has honestly been an incredible World Series. Like, I, I mean, for me, the best one was in 2012, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite. Is, I don't know if anybody else. Yeah, this is uh, this is my favorite, like, moments. Like, new stars, like, completely surprising, shocking, fun. Like, you just kind of had everything. Um, and... I don't know if it was just because we missed last year, but this one felt bigger and better than any other one I've been to. The coverage, the viewership, like everything was just on a different level. So I think that was really cool. And you talked about um, like my favorite as like a, a viewer, I think, or being here as a non-participant, not a player, as a professional. I think it has to be um, the best one that I can recall. And we saw one of, if not the best offenses maybe ever in college softball in general with Oklahoma this year where, I mean, they had a player in the nine hole that was the best player on, on a SEC team in South Carolina with, with Johns in the nine hole and uh, just uh, amazing overall talent on that team. And then maybe the best overall player ever with Jocelyn Allo. And um, when when she gets done, is she going to be the best player maybe ever? Yeah, I think she's definitely, like, putting her hat in the ring to be, like, the best position player and the best hitter ever because I think there's a different level for a pitching hitter, you know what I mean, a hitting pitcher, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, That's just a 
different ball game. I think it's a, it's like its own category. The unicorns over there, um, but just pure hitter. I mean, I just there's very very few hitters. You have to go back to like Stacy Newman, um, hitters like that earlier in the history of softball to get somebody that has that high home run numbers and that high of a batting average. That's what's crazy. So I think that she's going to be in that category. We're going to be talking about her. I think she's going to pass up Lauren Chamberlain next year when she gets back on the field to be the number one home run hitter of all time. And her averages are all better than Lauren Chamberlain. So uh, it's really cool to see somebody like that, just a once in a decade kind of a player that we're seeing out on the field and getting to see. Gosh, just ridiculous. Everything you just said. And I'm I'm reminded that I will be seeing Jocelyn Allo all summer because she's playing in the FGCL and I'm sure she'll be walked oh, no every at bat. <laughs> yeah, seriously. She will not have a batting average all summer long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, bro, before we uh, let you go, we've got a couple things we need to get to before, of course, our usual segment with you, which I will not say already because I've only got that accent <laughs> in me once. When you reflect on the 2021 college softball season, what sticks out to you? I think time and time again, I think what all of the coaches and players continue to talk about when we did our meetings, when we called them for press conferences, resume calls before we go, before we went and called games was the gratitude. Um, so I think when you have a year taken away and so many players get another year where they didn't think they would. I think of like a Bailey Hemphill who gets that fifth season when it was in question for a while. Um, it's the gratitude for getting to play the sport that you love and play and show it off in front of fans because I think we have one of the greatest sports on the planet. I think it's so fun to watch. I think these girls and these athletes, these young women, put it out on the field every single day. So like I will remember the gratitude not only for myself, but for all of the players and coaches to be able to get some side of, some kind of normalcy back and get to go compete. And then that's what it comes down to is just getting the opportunity to play the game you love, but compete against somebody else and prove why you deserve to be out there, why you deserve to win a game or um, why you deserve to set records and become, you know, history making players uh, down the road. So I think it's just so, so cool. I mean, that's all I remember. And then I think the other thing that I will remember is just the parody. I think it's growing. Like I, our school keeps getting better. Teams keep getting tougher. Like, you look at James Madison, teams like that making it to the Women's College World Series, but not only just getting there, like going out there and competing. I think that's a really big deal, and that's going to make everyone better, which is really, really cool to see. What are your thoughts on uh, on Alabama in particular, what Team 25 was able to do this season and then uh, moving forward to next year? Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think it's easy for fans and everything to get bogged down on the fact that they didn't make it to the national championship series. But I, I, to be honest, um, Alabama ex- exceeded my expectations this year. I look at where they were back in March, like April, you lose some of your best players. You struggle against some teams. You come out of nowhere to become one of the best teams. You want a 20 game run. Montana, I mean, Again, I know she didn't end up where she wanted to at the end of the season, but like there were some moments where you saw the best pitcher in the country coming out, and I think that we can remember like she, that's only year two of eligibility for her. Like she's still really young, so I think about the team coming together, Bailey setting records. Like Bailey is so fun to watch. Like 
just as a softball fan, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Bailey Hemphill play. So all of those things and where they started the season to where they finished to going through adversity to making it to the World Series to dominating for a little bit of the World Series to just coming up short, like I think this team did an excellent job of representing what it means to play for Alabama and the grittiness and the and the playing for each other and representing Bama U really well. And I know some fans overlook that kind of stuff, but it is not easy to get to the final four teams. It's, it's really not. So kudos to them for the fight that they've shown. And as for next year, I mean, I think you get Fouts back, you get Kilfoyle back, and that's your that's the biggest piece that you need, right? You need a pitching staff first and foremost. And if Montana looks anything like she did this season, mm-hmm. they're going to be poised to go back again to the Women's College World Series. I think I'm looking at the young stars now. Like this is kind of one of those moments where you kind of like turn a new page and you say, okay, who are the next superstars that are going to step up? Where's Bailey Dowling going to be next year? Like, you know what I mean? Where are those type of players? Kaylee Talcum's back. I know she's older, but um, you just you have a space open for players to shine next year because Alyssa Brown's gone, Bailey Hemphill's gone, uh, KB Sides is gone. Like all these players are gone. So who is going to step up and be the new face of Alabama softball? And I think that's a really exciting thought. And you mentioned too about being an alumni and Bama U and all that and all that. How cool is it to see? Uh, and I know you have you're working during it, so you can't get in in the middle of it. But how cool is it to see all the alumni, not just for Alabama, but for everybody there supporting their teams in the Women's College World Series, and how much that that really means to former players to come back and have that opportunity? Oh, it's it's so fun to see. Honestly, like it shows you how important the four years that you get to spend at a university are, and how strong the bonds are, and how um, much it ties people together. And the fact that these players are coming back and cheering on the next generation is so cool. Like, and it's really cool because you can see it. Like I know like there's the Bruin bubble, obviously like the Oklahoma team has like a really strong alumni contingency FSU did. And then you talk about like Bama U, like it's culture building and it's culture building. That's so strong that it sticks with players after they leave. Like they still want to be a part of it. You create this, um, foundation when you're there that just sets you up for the rest of your life but that foundation never goes away it's always a building block of who you are as a person and I think it's really 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 cool like I know I enjoyed it I had some of my best friends I got to see in Oklahoma City because they were back and hanging out so um, I'm very very appreciative of that I'm biased but I think Bama U is a pretty darn cool alumni group so congratulations to the seniors that all graduated that are going to be part of Bama U now in the alumni crew. Oh yeah, no it's it's a different kind of party when you're in the alumni crew. We know. We've hung out <laughs> with some of them. It's a different kind of party. Um bro, thank you so much for joining us but we can't let you go quite yet because yep. we got to play that favorite game and, and we're not even going to put stipulations you're just going to tell us something exciting for this week's segment of what's good bro so bro what's good what's good okay what's good is i want to shout out all the softball fans because we had record viewership all week long at the women's college world series like that's what's good our sport grew this week we crushed ratings dom i mean like dominated the ratings on TV, which is so important because it means that we're going to see more softball on TV. You're going to see more women's college world series like this. So that's, what's good. Like that's been honestly like Megaronowitz, like congratulations to her because 
she's worked so hard to put on the best women's college world series, regular season, whatever you want to say for this softball season. And it pays off with the numbers that we got this year for the ESPN ratings. Mm, absolutely. That's, and that's a great point that, you know, talking about the ratings because it wasn't the only game in town. There were other sports that they were watching and at high levels, like the NBA, the NHL, mm-hmm. college baseball, major league baseball, it was all going on at the same time. And college softball was just crushing it. Yeah. And a lot of our windows got taken away with the rain delays for the like 2 a.m. game. I think it was like 2 a.m. Central time with 3 a.m. Mm. Eastern finish. They still had like 500,000 viewers till the end. Like that's what? ridiculous. That's what Why? we used to average like. That's yeah. what we used to average like for like the Friday night game, like before mm-hmm. the like the second day. You know what I mean? Like right. That's insane. So. Well, we know. Yeah. I know. I know. Three of those watchers were me, Gray, and Stephanie Van Brakel. We were we were all hanging out <laughs> watching that one. We stayed up. <laughs> oh. Man, what a year. What what a fun World Series and what a chat tonight with Caleb Bro. You are what's good, Caleb Bro, and it's always a pleasure to see you. I was thrilled we got to see you at the SEC tournament. I wish we got into chat in OKC, but it'll be a normal near, year next year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you more as the 2022 season rolls around. Thanks for joining us. Right back at you guys. So that was Caleb Bro. Gosh, I mean, I love her. Oh, best. Just the best. The goat. The goat of guests. And we love all our guests. And I'm going to make sure to shout them all out from this year at the end of the show. Which means we've got an end of the show coming up, Tom. It is time Mm. to get in the car and head home. Wow. Hopefully it won't take 13 hours. (laughs) Puddles everywhere. Uh, Hail. Tornado warnings. (laughs) Off-roading. It's good times. Is that a cow? What's going on? (laughs) Uh, A stretch of uh, gas stations with (laughs) out-of-order restrooms. That was great. Oh, we could write a book about the road trips Uh, this year. But we won't. Instead, we will just head home here on the Out of the Box podcast. When we come back, all your favorite segments, all-name team, Tom's Hungry, Off the Wall, everything you could imagine. We'll be right back. Wipe the tears. It's time to head home here on the Out of the Box podcast. What an episode it has been. We started at the plate, talked about Bama. We started there and then advanced to first and talked about the SEC. And then we stole second with uh, Patrick Murphy. And I I think, honestly, one of the best interviews we've ever had overall, but also probably the most in-depth we have ever gotten with him about a lot of different things. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say, you know, be harder on him about some of the stuff at the World Series, but that's not really the point of the conversation. We no. wanted to get his point of view on the season and the world of softball as a whole, and, and I think we got a lot of good stuff tonight. We really did, and I don't think there was much to be hard on him about. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm i getting ahead of myself <laughs> as we get ready for off the wall. Right, exactly. Then we rounded third with Kayla Bro. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to Bro. I, I again, forgot to tell her, uh, I think, on the air, but um, having a baby and, you know, just continues to be a rock star at ESPN and to thrive in her broadcasting life and also her personal life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's no surprise at all if anyone knows knew, knew Kayla before uh, that we knew that she was going to be a rock star when she got to this position and uh, really excited for her and what what's coming both in her professional and personal life. Mm-hmm. Rising star, y'all. Mm-hmm. And now uh, it's time. And, and by the way, I am still 100% excited and all in on a college game day 
oh like show seven God. that absolutely has if to happen. they don't do it we are right like that's what's we'll just, i mean we'll we'll, we'll film it ourselves set. we'll do it ourselves we'll t- I, I, if only we did things by ourselves before <laughs> we we will knock this out yes. i mean it's always been my dream for me to be the guest picker, and now we can have the out of the box boys oh. go up and be the guest picker. Oh, give my me gosh. Big Al right now. Do it. I will take Alabama to sweep. <laughs> puts, puts on the Big <laughs> Al head. Actually, no, nah, I'd probably pick him to win two ones. I don't want to be the curse. <sighs> yeah, we. I think we we maybe elim- uh, eliminated the cur- curse here this year. Let's ask Donna Dykes. That'll okay. be our off season sure. homework. That's yeah. all we have to do. Text <laughs> Donna Dykes. One hundred percent. Now it is time to head home, and first off. Uh, by now, you're, I don't even know how long this podcast is because we don't have the full time mm. in front of us as we record. If you're listening to the Heading Home segment of the show, thank you so much. Thanks. This has been the longest podcast ever. I regret nothing. <laughs> and this is all you get pretty much until the fall. So right. you don't have to listen to it all in one day. Sure. I don't want to see your length tweets. Just enjoy and parse it out and do what you want. Just, yeah, span it out. It's yeah. all right. It's fine. We get all the lessons at the end anyway. Right. Works for us. But we have to head home, and when we head home, that's when we have some fun, and we will begin with the all-name team. We've been doing this for three years. Mm-hmm. This is our third year, and I will say, pretty light overall list. In 2019, I had like 20 people on here. Yeah. Alabama, just with the nature of the schedule, and I, I think also, just point blank, our familiarity with the opposing teams now, not as many names caught us off guard. Mm-hmm. But that being said- A couple did. A couple did. And so I will now read the honorees before- Tom, you pick. Actually, I no. will pick the top two, and then you will pick the winner. Oh, okay. So, all right. Here we go. The all-name team honorees: JoJo Rideau, UAB; mm-hmm. Mia Greenswig, Memphis; Candela Figueroa, Troy. Notice I'm letting Gray handle these because not all of them. There's one oh, coming. This wonderful, for you. great. Chloe Malaulu, Mississippi State; Kennedy Goff, Kent State. Representative of the team out of the box D1 fantasy softball team, Sammy Bunch, Northern Iowa. Bell Wolfenden, South Alabama. Just perennial nominee, Treasury Poindexter, Tennessee. <laughs> I was so glad when she came into Pinch Run. I was like, oh, she can get on the team. <laughs> Maddie Yatslaw, Texas A&M. This one is yours. Please go ahead. Larissa Sassinia from Arkansas. <laughs> Nailed it. See, it's got, I, got the squiggly. That's We're right. Larissa Sassinia. <laughs> So I'm not quite sure about this one. Is it Talia or Talia? I think it's Talia. Okay. Talia Talley, Alabama State, just incredible. Mm-hmm. Aaliyah Logaleo, Clemson. We've got All Julia. Right. Here we go. Kutsianopoulos, Arizona. And, of course, to honor her before she goes to Japan for the Olympics, Deja Mulipola. Mulipola. So, Tom, your top mm. two for me, and then you will decide a champion. It will be – this is hard. I'm going to go with uh, – Bell Wolfenden, South Alabama, and Maddie Yatslaw, Texas A&M. Wow. Sorry to Julia Kutsianopoulos, but that seems like the easy pick. Okay, I, you don't want to be you don't want to be too easy. Yeah, Congra- I mean you know it's a great sure. name. Sure, it is awesome. But I mean like when when you know everyone is talking about the name, right? And she and if she went to Greece right now, she would not really stand out. Right, that's, exactly. That's a lot of Greek names are like that. I am going to give the championship. To Bell Wolfenden. Oh wow! South Alabama. South Alabama wins again. Yes. Oh great. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You're welcome. Remember when Alabama should stop playing softball because they lost the game one nothing to T- South Alabama? Tom, I was told they suck. Yeah. I, don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Things went awry. Yes. Wow. 
Congratulations, Bell Wolfenden, the winner yes. of the all-name team. You join illustrious company such as 2019 winner Precious Birdsong from Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. and 2020 winner and maybe the Hall of Famer Silent Rain Espinosa from uh, Washington. Sil- <laughs> well, the, the, this is the only positive thing that will be said about Washington on this podcast. Yeah. Silent Rain Espinosa is an awesome name. <laughs> it is. It's true. So that's uh, the all-name team. Now, Tom. Who boy, this was a tough year. It's time for the Tom's Hungry Podium Choices. First off, let's be broad. Uh, in a year where we were bubble adjacent, I think we got lucky because we found some incredible places to eat across the SEC this year. Really did. I I am ready for an SEC tournament in Fayetteville, Arkansas, because we will eat so well that week. Uh, so much great food in Fayetteville. Lexington had some really good stuff. Athens had some great things as well. Um, and then, of course, Oklahoma City just took it to another level. I mean, OKC, um, and a spoiler alert, OKC did not have a spot in my top three, and it hurt. It really, really? hurt. Yeah, it didn't. Wow. Um, yeah, so. All right. We'll see. Would you like to begin, or would you like for me to start with my bronze? Uh, do we need to do a quick overview of Oklahoma City? Since oh, we oh you're, not, you're right. Exactly. Yes. Let's talk OKC. Okay. What uh, we do besides Cattleman's like right. five times. <laughs> Cattleman's was great. It was just, you know, I had two different types of steak and it's just, it was tremendous uh, as always. S&B Burgers was another burger joint that we went oh, to. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, oh, hold on. Things are changing. Ooh. <laughs> oh, the burger Please joint. Please keep talking. Yeah. So S&B Burger Joint, which was a place that SID extraordinaire Nate Sheehan and myself found in the 2015 season when we went to the World Series, my first year at the World Series. Um, but we had not stayed at the same hotel since then, so we hadn't really been in that area of OKC. Uh, but we realized when we had that extra day, when we had the off day on Saturday, we were like, we we're finding that burger joint again. And we did, and it was outstanding. I had the Return of the Mac burger, mm. which was a cheeseburger with mac and cheese and chili, plus the loaded tots. Mm, yeah, outstanding. So, S&B burger joint. Uh, and, and, and the... Uh, just the general atmosphere is really good. It's kind of like a, a cafe, like a rock and roll 50s, 60s era cafe. Really good stuff. It was stupid. Like, let me tell you, stupid I, I can't believe I forgot this. I think it's just because there was a lot. That was the day of the UCLA game. And I think since then, I've been in just my own emotional <laughs> world. Sure. Best burger I've ever had. Really? Dead serious. Absolutely. Wow. Abs- at a restaurant. Uh, absolutely the best burger I've ever had. The milkshake was a lot, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the fries were good. I, I really wish. The dips had been free because then I would have gotten like nine of them, but you know they were all fifty cents, and I, I actually picked one that I probably shouldn't have gotten. There were others I, I was more curious about. I thought it was incredible. And uh, I'm uh, spoiler alert: the earlier spoiler alert is no longer true. Oh wow! All right. Uh, so there was that. Uh, the only breakfast place we went to was a place called Syrup, uh, and it had the uh, the office font of Syrup with the period afterwards. Uh, really good. Uh, the only negative was um, it took a long time. Uh, the the servers were, I don't know if they were more concerned about other things going on than actual food preparation and service. But uh, once the food got there, it was outstanding. Some people say you don't need a side of biscuits and gravy with Eggs Benedict, and I disagree. That some person would be? Uh, my wife, yes. yes. Who is now making me eat healthy? This may be the last Tom's hungry for a while, unfortunately. <laughs> Just wait till Florida. Uh, Almost there. Yeah. Uh, I, no. T- Tom's hungry will take a different set because I really will be hungry. <laughs> You'll walk in, I'm, won't see you. <laughs> the wind has blown you away. Uh, no. All right. So, my syrup order, y'all, oh, this was stupid. The, the cinnamon roll pancakes drizzled with the strudel icing 
and 100% pure maple syrup. I don't know if you know this or people know this. I'm a huge maple syrup snob. Like, I can't eat Aunt Jemima, like the fake stuff. It's got to be pure. It's got to be 100%, and it's got to be maple. Wow, really? Yeah, like for real. Syrup snob. In high school, when I went to boarding school, I would buy my own syrup and bring it to breakfast. Dead serious. Wow. Make fun of me all you want. It was worth it. That stuff is good. <laughs> so anyway, you okay. combine all that on the... Yeah, by the way, don't make fun of me. We're doing a segment based on you I'm eating not, for I'm, years. No, so. I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> I know I'm you're good. not. SID extraordinaire Nathan Sheehan will be texting me. I'm sure he will. A day, yeah, though. 100%. Either way, incredible, good bacon. Uh, also, I just love that breakfast because we got to see the Schroders. Shout oh, out Mary awesome. Schroeder. Yeah, it was really fun. So yeah, I, Hear, hearing uh, Kerrigan Fane, uh, the l- hearing about her living in Malaysia, yes. and being regaled with those stories was outstanding. That was a lot of fun. One hundred percent. It was good. All right, so proceed. Uh, so there's that. We went to there was Ted's Mexican food, which was, was high quality Mexican food as well. But overall, uh, we did not go hungry in Oklahoma City. That's no, for we sure. didn't. And and so now we get to dive into the podium, right? Yeah. Now now it's podium time. So would you like to bronze, for, or would you like me year. to bronze? Uh, you can bronze first. Okay. Uh, I cheated. I've got a tie. For oh bronze. come on! I know. Sorry, it had to be done um, because I I wanted to make sure I shouted out this other spot because I actually I don't think we gave it justice enough in the show after Lexington. So here's what happened: uh, these two restaurants were going to the finish line. Uh, S&B Burgers tripped, and that's how this other restaurant came in and tied. So, okay, all right, gotcha. My tie for the bronze, the Southern Deli and Tavern in Lexington, Kentucky, and S&B Burger Joint in Oklahoma City. Uh, as I said, the best burger I've ever had, not at home, uh, made by a, a restaurant. And the Southern Deli and Tavern, that was where they had all the re- uh, the sandwiches named after different cities. Yeah. I had, uh, I think, New Orleans and the uh, and hot Nashville. chicken. Yeah, yeah, Nashville. It was just, it was so good. And it, it, what makes it awesome is I was so wanting to go back there again just because there were so many different things on that menu that you could order. Right. And you would be happy. I mean, you ordered something you wanted what I had. I did. And I would not give it to you I because offered to it's trade, my hot chicken. And you said no. So next time I go to Lexington, the Southern Deli and Tavern, coming for you. That's right. my bronze. Good. All right. Uh, my bronze, I'm going to go with the Doomsday Cafe in Fayetteville as my bronze. Again, one of the best breakfasts I've ever had and and, and had the uh, breakfast taco with four or five different types of meats and cheeses and eggs and it was and and the sauce they drizzled on it. It was like I don't like spicy stuff. And it had some spice to it, but it was like just the perfect blend of spices to where it wasn't overpowering and I could I could eat three or four of those tacos. It was mm-hmm. outstanding. It's good stuff. Yes. That's my silver medalist. Really? Yeah, Doomsday Cafe. A faithful. I, I and don't thank, know. And thank you for the recommendation as well. Yeah, uh, that would be Megan Turk. Yes, who uh, offered that to us. And shout out to her. Um, I don't know why I, I was in a hungry place. You know, I, I've got the medication that makes me not hungry, so I've got to eat as much as I can at breakfast or at least early in the day. Yeah. And there was just something about those tacos and something about the sauce in there. And it's yeah. one of the very few places we went where I ordered. Loved it and ordered again. And I think because I got that second order, that is why it is silver medal for me. Also, underratedly good breakfast tea. I I ordered English breakfast. Something was a little different with it. It was was just good. And I like the tea because it clears the sinuses. So... (laughs) Yeah, just that's my silver medalist, Doomsday Cafe. All righty. My silver medalist, I'm going to go with Cattleman's. 
Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't not leave. I can't not have Cattlemen's on my podium again. Two outstanding different steaks on two different days. Uh, ribeye the first time, uh, the fillet the second time. Uh, the mashed potatoes are also outstanding. I got the dark gravy the first time and the white gravy the second time. I would probably recommend the white more than the dark, but they were both outstanding. Um, just overall great stuff there at Cattlemen's. And the only the only drawback negative was the second time we went had to wait almost two hours. Um, but you know it's it's a popular place. Yeah, the people so, want to go. That types, and it gave us time to go go to a Western shop and get cool hats it's true i love my hat i'm wearing it all summer (laughs) you see me on the air wearing a hat for the first time in my life wow that's how yeah that's how much i like it happening i I do have to say my cattleman's order both times filet mignon because it's it's just good sure and also something i had forgotten about from 2019 just incredible bread incredible oh yeah oh yeah i mean i you know, I think we were so enamored with the steaks. I'm not sure we actually talked about the bread in 2019. But we, we should. We should. Incredible. Yes. But it is not on my podium. Partially because okay. I, I figured you might do it, but also because I, I wanted to highlight some new blood. Okay. And All right. I will be highlighting new blood with my gold pick. Okay. I'm excited. I mean, what else would it be? It's Lash Resort Grill in Athens, Georgia. Just the, that freaking white chocolate cheesecake, Tom. <laughs> Life-changing. Oh, my God. Life-changing. I mean, can we get some now? Apparently, they come to Tuscaloosa occasionally. I'm not going to tell any of you people when that's happening because I'm going to get one, all right? So, sorry. You're going to have to go look for it yourself. But incredible dessert that is highlighted by an incredible dinner that you almost don't think about because you're so excited about getting to dessert. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, an incredible meal at the last resort. And also, something else we like to factor in some really good old fashions that they made that I really enjoyed. So last resort grill. Congratulations. You are my gold medalist mm-hmm. here for the Tom's hungry podium. And it's a two time gold medalist. Cause that's also my, oh! my top pick as well. Y'all uh, need to go and get this yes. dang white chocolate cheesecake. Do you hear the impact it has like, had on this podcast? <laughs> like literally one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. It was just, Oh my gosh. The white chocolate cheesecake, Oreo, uh, crust, and the the drizzle the what the, on top basically the melted inside of an oreo i uh, just ah like it's it's ridiculous right and then and that was after i had an outstanding steak with with, my, with mashed potatoes yeah so, me too i yeah. had i had i think the flank steak yeah so last resort and i liked how they were able to handle the the traffic and handle the the volume of people that were going there it did not seem like we had to wait a long time no uh so i was i was very happy with the entire experience even though we had to sit outside in a greenhouse it's fine i'm cool with it it was actually kind of cool yeah it was Uh, fun yeah so at last resort also my gold medalist for 2021 yeah um wow last resort way to go wow so if any of you people go to athens just go to last resort like we're not we're not messing with you right now check before you go because it it was closed for for lunch at the time uh but hopefully as things continue to open up that'll that'll reopen that should be fixed soon that's certainly also i'd be remiss if during this time again we did not uh honor our dear friend roy may and our fallen past gold and silver medalist, mm-hmm. Good Bull Barbecue in College Station. It has closed. I am depressed, and I, I sure hope that we get sad day. We get some kind of recipe in the mail or stuff Something. shipped to us, right? Because 
just one of my favorite places to go, not just to eat, but to hang out. Roy was yeah. an awesome guy. We did the podcast live there. Which so, he's fine, by the way, right? Roy's okay. Oh, yeah, okay. he's good. He's, he's good. Just, right. He's just moving on to, to do other right. career stuff. Yeah. And knew it was time to go from Good Bull. But, man, what a restaurant. So yeah, props really to cool. Good Bull. Thank you for the memories. Yeah. In the shadows of Texas A&M Football Stadium. And uh, it, was, it was a great place. And... Again, everything's either a taco or a barbecue in College Station, and I'm not complaining about that. I'm just pointing it out. Mm-hmm. We indulge in mm, both. Yes, sometimes <sighs> at the same time. All right, so we got the mushy stuff out of the way? Yeah, yeah. Let's get crazy. It's time oh, for Off goodness. the Wall. Tom oh, has been, for, for the first time ever, teasing his Off the Wall on Twitter. <laughs> and we, because you know we're not together right now, I, I was in Birmingham, he was in Tuscaloosa, I texted Tom and said, What's this about? Yeah. He said, oh, just just this just thing. This. Just, you know, yeah. I'll fill you in. It's like, great. So, <laughs> Tom, <sighs> after, without further ado, please, right. off the wall. Okay, so we are in going to be a few seasons here where seniors are going to be making choices and making decisions about their not only their playing futures, but their like life futures uh, after every year because – Everybody who is who was a freshman in 2020 on, so if you weren't a true freshman on this year's team, you have an extra year of eligibility at the end of your career right. that you didn't know you were going to have when you started. So uh, there are players on Alabama's team, as we talked about, that are making those decisions. We had, you know, Kaylee Tao has decided she is going to come back. Uh, Maddie Morgan has decided that her playing career is over. KB Sides has decided that she's going to play a different year, but she's going to play somewhere else. So that's three different people that have made different decisions. And I, I have seen people that are trying to make, trying to comment on these decisions as though it's only a playing time decision or it's only a softball decision. And I'm just pointing out there that is a very off the wall way to look at things. This is not just a playing situation. You're you're talking about people who have had a a college career path that has been added an extra year on that you might not have the capability to do. As I talked with Patrick Murphy about people, it was it was very unusual. It was a uh, unique situation that Alabama got everybody to come back this year. People have you know, lives that they're ready to go to. They're, they may have an internship or a job waiting. That's not going to wait an extra year for them to come play softball. We saw it with Florida. One of the be- one of their best players, Sophia Reynoso, didn't come back. She had an extra year of eligibility, didn't come back this year because she had everything set up to go to grad school at Cal State Fullerton, and it wasn't going to be able to wait a year. So she made that decision. You're, you know, this is a sport where 98% of the people don't have a legitimate softball playing pro path. Right. So, you know, this is something they do in college, and then they move on to other Right. I mean, we are on our way, but, you know, the Olympic team is 15 spots, and Athletes Unlimited drafted 12 college seniors this year. Right. And, you know, there there is a path to go play overseas. There is some other things. So that's why I say, you know, 95 98%. But most, the vast majority, when they're done with softball, they're done. When college softball is done, that's the end. So that being said, it is very unfair to point at somebody and say that they are either making a selfish decision or there's an obvious uh, there there is a rift between a player and a coach or that type of things. There's not, and and to make that based on just one just by watching the games, it's it's totally unfair to make that statement. So I'm just saying if you are speculating about why certain players are making 
decisions, not just Alabama, but anywhere, right. uh, I think you should take a step back because you and I, we don't know the reasons behind a lot of things, uh, and we're closer than most people are to the situation. Bottom line, there's a there's always more to everything. Right. And it's not just the headline. And that's kind of been the point of off the wall, but keep going. Exactly. And, you know, and that's that's one of those things that we have fun with, like, you know, we the, the original uh the origin of, hey, why? <laughs> with Allison Fiebre going you know, leaving Georgia and go to Oklahoma State. You know, there are reasons why the, and it's not always necessarily a you know, something is going wrong here situation. Right. There's, you know, and and that's the reason why the transfer portal exists is for to give players and college athletes a little bit more flexibility. Uh, and, you know, if a normal college student is able to change schools, why shouldn't an athlete be able to change schools? Uh, so there's, I think there's a lot of that to that. So I, I'm just, the, the point of all this, as I ramble on, is that uh, no one knows why, <laughs> unless somebody, unless a player or a coach actually says point blank, this is the reason why this is happening. And I've seen there are some people in the transport, not necessarily Alabama, but others have said, you know, I'm going to med school, so I can't do yep. it here. I have to go somewhere else. Um, there, there are so many things that go into it in addition to where am I going to play next year? In addition to, like, is there a spot on, you know, can I play third base? Can I play, you know, left field? There's, there's so many different other things to look at, and I think it's pretty unfair to both the coaches and the players for people to speculate the way they do. It's really good stuff. Well done. And I agree. And here's the thing. Like you said, this is not a one-time thing. We're going to be dealing with this for a long time. Right. You know, I think based on what she has said, we kind of know where Montana is dealing when that, when the end of next year comes, because she has said multiple times, she plans on being at Alabama two years and that's public, you know, that's been Mm -hmm. done in interviews, but at the same time, if you want to change your mind, that's fine. I mean, do you do you, you know, it is not up to us to judge any player for what they want to do with their life. And, I think that that is the freedom given by the transfer portal. And from the outside, it sucks. Like, you know, I was trying to track together these rosters. I don't know where anybody's playing next year. And there could be some big names in the portal around the country that we find out about in the next week or so. But at the same time, it gives the athletes the freedom that they deserve. And that, along with NIL, which will be coming into place very, very soon, the athletes are starting to get what they deserve, which is – Long overdue in college sports, to be honest. Right. And we're also seeing, you know, almost every conference now has, uh, if they had a rule, they've they've tossed it out about having to sit out if you transfer within conference. So there's a lot of ways that this is going to be a little bit of free agency, especially for those fifth-year seniors. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of players decide to stay and, and continue on. But if you have that opportunity to look around, it's the first time they've had that chance. Remember, most, a lot of these softball players – committed when they were like 14 yeah you know so they, they haven't had a chance to think of anything other than this is where i'm going and the particular team that they're on right now so they may even look at it and may come back to that team that they were on originally uh depending on you know how the coaches feel about players that have entered the portal about coming back i, I don't fault anybody for taking a look absolutely my off the wall i've actually got two things one patrick murphy kind of stepped on it actually so thanks coach but this year was not a failure by any means, and I think we do have to keep in mind, also tying into what Bro said, well, everything all connects. Mm, yes. Softball, winning a national championship in softball is hard. This isn't football, all right? There are probably six teams a year in college football that can win the national championship, if we're being honest. Right. Right? In college softball, it can be anybody. 
Florida State would have been 20th on my list coming into the NCAA tournament. And they were six outs away. Six outs away. Anybody can win a national championship in this sport. So if you don't, that doesn't mean your season was a failure at all. I mean, heck, UCLA, they had a historically good year. They didn't win the national championship. They had some adversity in the World Series, and that affected that ability. But was their year a failure? No, I don't think so. Won the Pac-12. And they, they had a great final goodbye for Rachel Garcia. Not a failure. And I think the same applies to Alabama. If you look at what this season was, to me, if you look at it as a failure, then I don't want you in the fan base anymore. Because I don't think you can be pleased. Because this team fought through so much to finish where they were. So if only a national championship is good enough for you, then I, I don't think you study the picture hard enough the expectations are too high if that's the case because like you said there's so many different things that can happen it's you can be disappointed i'm disappointed very i was i mean that's part of the reason why i was crying i was disappointed the night after everything ended but it does it it shows you how special a year like 2012 was for alabama and it shows you like how special a performance like the perfect game against ucla was because if you're a little bit off in the Women's College World Series, it. it's you know it, it, it can come apart for you quickly. You can be disappointed. You can even be critical. But just to be unnecessarily harsh and not to have any type of perspective or rational thought when you look back at it, definitely a very successful season for Alabama. So the most disappointing thing is there was a legitimate national championship possibility for Alabama Uh, but so many things have to fall your way we saw it we saw it in in college basketball this year Gonzaga had it it was they were they were undefeated they were the absolute best team just why are we even playing this tournament they're the best Baylor destroyed them in the championship game Mm -hmm. that if a game goes it doesn't go your way again somewhat in the same way if you're a little bit off it can get away from you so fast and with so many great, like like Bro said, you know the parity it continues, and the parity is at the high levels. So there's so many players that are so good. It's tough. It is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. And yeah, the the reaction of some people have been uh, very off the wall. Finally, my final off the wall. Um, I'm really honestly disappointed we had to do an off the wall segment this year because as I was watching the intro to the national championship today before I drove here to Tuscaloosa, I thought about what we ended up saying at the beginning of this podcast, how lucky we were that we got to do what we did this year, not just our jobs, but to have softball, to watch softball. I mean, you look at the roadblocks that were in your way, um, like you talked about, you know, any day, all of a sudden you could be out for two weeks. We could be sitting at home for two weeks Mm -hmm. through no fault of our own, but that's just the way the world was for most of this year. And, and then I went and looked at my notes. And, Tom, I'm, I'm scrolling slowly. Like, look at this. Ah, so many off the wall. People complaining. And so I just want to encourage all of you out there, um, whether you know that you have been off the wall, whether you know I've probably copied and pasted one of your comments or not, think about the fact that we had a season this year and how amazing that is. And that in the SEC there was one conference game that was not played. And that in the postseason, there were zero games that were scheduled and not played because of COVID issues. It's amazing. And really, if you kind of take out the Pac-12 and then North Carolina had a two-week span that was kind of rough, um, most of the Power 5 schools got everything done. So 
we pulled off something miraculous. And I guess my message is just just don't take softball for granted ever again. And some of you were doing that this year, and I hope you realize uh, that that shouldn't be done anymore. We now know what it feels like to have this sport taken away, uh, and to have it back was incredible. And odds are we in our lifetimes will never have to deal with another season like this. Certainly hope, God. But it could happen. And I hope everybody out there knows how special this sport is and doesn't take it for granted ever again. And, you know, maybe don't complain about every little thing all the time. Yeah. And and honestly, one more thing. Uh, I got some, you know, I do the pregame tweet before games and before Florida State or after Florida State. I said, a team will be better tomorrow. Somebody said they better be. Or what? Right. Or what? How are you personally affected? <laughs> uh, I would also like to remind fans, as Coach Murphy said in the interview, nobody wants to win more than the coaches and the players. Absolutely. I promise you the players took it a lot harder yeah. than, than, than you did sitting on your couch and Trust me. going to bed after after that game. The the hugs were real. And, yeah. uh, and the scenes post-game, oh. I, I can promise you, I can promise you, nobody took that final loss harder than the players. Right. Guaranteed. It broke my heart. But, yeah, so just don't complain. Be grateful for what we have. Be grateful that you support a program that is in the running to win a national championship every year because it would be just as easy to go cheer for Auburn, and they didn't get out of regionals this season. It's not a shot at the Tigers, but it kind of is. So, anyway, that's my off the wall. Um, I I feel grateful that we had softball this year. I feel grateful we had this podcast. And, you know, as much as the agony of defeat hurts, it fires me up to get right back at it because I know this team's not going away anytime soon. Oh, no, absolutely. And that's, I, I, I kind of have the same type of feeling uh, most years where, all right, you take about a week to get, to get recharged uh, and then, you know, we're ready for the next season. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a cycle. It keeps going and uh, it got interrupted in 2020. And now that we're getting back on, on that cycle, I think we should be even more, you know, appreciative and enjoy it more. And again, it, it absolutely matters who wins and loses wins and losses do count. Yes. Um, and you can be absolutely as disappointed as anything. Uh, if it ultimately doesn't go your way in the championship, but you know, like, like you said, Alabama in your, if you're an Alabama fan, you have so much to be, <laughs> to be grateful for that. You have a team, you have a program that is in the running each and every year. Uh, one that is nationally respected and, uh, you know, there's, I, I don't know of any, you know, cause there's some of these, you know, some of the upper level programs that people like begrudgingly will give respect to because they just, they, you have to, because they win. I think there is no begrudgingness to most people when they look at Alabama's program, they recognize it for the excellence that it is. Um, but it just shows you, it is incredibly difficult to win the national championship and you should be grateful for any chance you get to go to OKC and to compete for it. Mm-hmm. And go. If you have a chance, mm-hmm. go, because it's the best trip ever. It's a, it, They've expanded the capacity. Hopefully they will work on parking. Um, and, and <laughs> Got to work on that. And get the construction under control. But uh, it's it's a great city. So if you get the opportunity, you know, go take it in. All right. That's it. That's, a, that's season three. Here's what's coming up. So we're... I'm going to be at the FGCL for six weeks. You'll be down for the final two weeks, mm-hmm. so or I guess like two and a half. But either way, uh, we'll do something maybe there. We might do, you know, we got a lot of coaches that we know and that are in softball. We might do a little summer series. Just stay tuned for that. Uh, hopefully, media days will be back. I hope we didn't burn any bridges this season with any coaches. <laughs> <laughs> as as do I. 
Nothing personal, anybody. That's uh, that's the plan. And uh, and then as for next year, um, you know, I've I've had a lot of people ask. I will just address it right now. My plan is to be back for everything. Um, now that being said. Uh, as with a lot of the seniors coming and going, you never really know. And nine months is a long time. So my plan is to be back for the podcast uh, and for broadcasts. And from there, um, we'll see. Again, a long time. Tom, I know your plan is to be back. Yes, absolutely. You, you've always said, as long as I'll have me, I'll be there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I just I, I look and make sure I don't get any uh, un- unknown phone calls from anyone. But I'm certainly planning on uh, on being back uh, for my eighth season as a play-by-play guy and uh, hoping to make uh, my fifth trip to OKC. Mm, gosh, can you imagine? So if I come back, that'd be six years together. Wow. It's like, how old are your kids? <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> not, not quite that old. Okay. Not, not quite. Not, uh, well, not quite that young. Someday. Maybe someday. Maybe you get there. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So anyway, that's the plan for there. Also, if you want to watch the FGCL games, I will tweet links at Gray underscore Robertson. You can follow at FGCL Softball. And that is my segue into giving our social media handles, which I know I just did. I'll do it again in a second. But, Tom, please, where can the people find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at T Canterbury RTR on Twitter, and I'll also tweet those links as well uh, for the time that I'm down there. And I just got over 1,000 followers on, on the Twitter. Oh, yes. go, Tom. Thank there you very we go. much. I, it was funny. I was at nine ninety nine, and then I saw somebody else followed me, and I looked, and I was still at nine ninety nine. So someone unfollowed me, and then somebody else followed me. Got me, but now I'm I'm up over a thousand. So we, I appreciate that, and try to just send out uh, as much as I can. I retweeted a lot of the uh, stuff from, uh, especially Alabama softball. Yeah. Um. After the after the, during the World Series and afterwards, uh, we got to give a shout out to Aaron Hep. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Uh, the, the video, the the video guy at Alabama uh, for softball, especially, did the motivational videos and the and the the game videos, you know, pre and post, just some really great stuff. And if you haven't seen that, I retweeted it all, or go to Alabama's softball or Facebook page and check those out because those were amazing. Mm, yeah, shout out to Hep 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 Hep, um, hooray! <laughs> what a what a guy. Um, we, I really enjoyed hanging out with him that last night. We had a lot of good conversation over in our little part of the circle. Yeah, wow. Uh, might have a, might have had a beverage or two. <laughs> yes, or greater than. But <laughs> either way, yes. Uh, what a uh, what a guy, Aaron Hep. He does fantastic work. And uh, if you want to see what I tweet, which is a lot of what Hep does uh, at Gray underscore Robertson. Also, you know, you're gonna if you follow me and you're an Alabama fan, you're gonna say, why are you tweeting so much about this player from this college? Um, that is. You know, part of the gig with the FGCL. The point of the league is we are trying to grow the game and develop the game. And so you're going to see me highlight players from Florida State and from Oklahoma and Washington and all across the country. NC Presbyterian. State, Presbyterian. Eckerd College in Florida. I mean, there are so many. So, you know, don't freak out. Right. I'm still the, you know, I'm still an Alabama guy. But I want to make sure the game grows as much as possible around the country. Um, and the FGCL does fantastic work there. Thank you to our guests, uh, Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy, the Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Caleb Bro, Hall of Famer in our book. Sure. She's on the wall. She's on the wall. They're both on the wall. They're, that's true. Well, They're next to each other on the wall. That's right. Gosh, I need to right go field. see the wall again. I keep. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to see Bailey Hemphill on the wall. Kaylee oh. Tao, mm, Montana Fouts. Which picture for Tana? Wow. This, uh, the, uh, the chest bump. Can she and Bailey's pictures be chest oh, bumping chest on the bump. wall? Oh, please. That's the Done. idea. That's Boom. it. Done. Patrick Murphy, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing. I don't know if anybody knows that. But I'll we're doing draw it. up the plans now. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yes. You can also follow the show at outofthebox underscore pod on Twitter. Tom, 
congratulations on a great year. And uh, Dave, you as well. What a, what a fun what a fun season it was, both of the podcast and of Alabama softball. Indeed, I enjoyed being bubble adjacent. We had to make some long car rides, but that was okay. Had a lot of fun. Enjoyed some other podcasts as well. Uh, we know never to go hiking by ourselves, never at any point, because uh, that doesn't turn out well for most people on those podcasts. Uh, but overall, uh, it was a great year. Like you said, it was just congratulations to everyone for getting through yep. the toughest year ever to be a collegiate athlete. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, cheers to things returning to normal next year. Mm, 2022, y'all. If you thought this year was wild, mm. oh, just wait. We're just getting started. Fear and respect Montana Fouts. Oh, man. Fear and respect the transfer portal. Lord knows what the sport's going to look like when we get together in the fall. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, what a year. For my partner, Tom Canterbury. I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you to everybody for tuning in all season long. We appreciate it. In a year where Bubble Adjacent, it meant even more to us when people would come up and say they were listening and watching and tuning in and following the tweets, and, and we really just appreciate it. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Again, thank you so much for joining us on the Out of the Box podcast. We'll see you next time.